Welcome everyone back to episode 6060 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. The gang is all here again, making a habit out of this. Uh, how are my good friends uh, Chris and Kelsey doing tonight? Doing great. I doing can't believe well. 60. I feel like we're going to put yeah. out as many episodes this year as we have in the past 10 years. <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I think you're probably pretty close. <laughs> that, that, that would be a feat. And then next year is going to be a record year where no bi-weekly period will be missed. Let's just go weekly next year. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Slow down there, Tex. Calling it, yeah. 52 seven-minute episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so yes, yeah, so, uh, like I said, the gang's all back uh, again. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, Kelsey, you've been playing some Nintendo, I would assume. Yeah, um, not as many games, but still probably about the same amount of time. I played through Skate or Die 2. Which I did in an afternoon, which is a weird, weird game where you are 100% the villain in that game. Um, started some Dragon Warrior 4, which I'm still working on. I just got to chapter 5, which I think is the final chapter. Uh, but it's been really interesting so far. I like how it's broken up into chunks and you're playing different people's stories and then they're all like kind of coming together in this final chapter. And the third chapter in particular, you play as like a merchant um, and you're like just trying to build up enough money to get your own shop and you're like finding items to take them to have your wife like resell them and stuff. Like it was a really interesting twist on JRPGs, which which I appreciated. Um, I got together with my buddy again. Uh, we worked a little more on Digital Devil Saga on the PS2, which I'm still really enjoying. Um, my daughter has been watching YouTube and one of the YouTube people she watches was playing Hello Neighbor. And so she kept talking about it. And so I asked a couple of buddies, I'm like, does anybody have this game? Can I borrow it and give it a try? And one of my friends had it for Switch. So we, we borrowed it off him and tried it with her. And it is so, it's like, like the worst game I've ever played. Like I would hate playing this game by myself, but it is <laughs> really fun to play with my kids because they are both so into it. And it's like a, like a stealth survival horror game kind of but with like a not as scary a setting so my four-year-old can handle it and she gets really into it like she just gets so tense when the neighbor is coming up and then uh she laughs so hard when we like steal something out of his house and she's having a good time with it but it's so broken and janky and ugly and directionless and uh, i don't understand yeah. why they like it but they do they like it a lot it's on my it's been on my radar like a little bit like i'm aware of it like kind of tangentially through like you know it's being mentioned and things like that but yeah i have no concept of the type of game that it is it just kind of like shows up once in a while and some of my recommended feeds are like on a pc gaming store or something like that so it's just so. a mess like you gotta sneak into this guy's house and and steal things and like solve little puzzles but they like don't really tell you anything so you're really just exploring and trying to trial and error your way through it uh, we play some Nintendo Land with her too. Uh, like we got the whole family together, pulled out the Wii remotes, and did the uh, Luigi's Mansion one where where someone's a ghost and everyone else has to catch it, and the Mario tag one. I had a really great time. My daughter got so into those, um, and when she was the ghost, she gets so excited because you know you can't see her on the screen, and then when she got somebody, she'd like scream something out like "I'm a genius!" <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, and the, the, I forgot to mention for the Hello Neighbor, um, because she's been watching all these YouTube videos, she's t trying to talk like the people in the videos and she doesn't quite understand what she's saying. So she's like, Dad, did you see that raven? Leave me a like and a comment. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 
have, have I, I have to have mentioned this before <laughs> on a previous show that do my my son older son like he narrates his play like he'll be alone in the room people in the room and people are like okay everybody welcome back like he just like loads into a world and he's like okay and then you know how like streamers will sometimes just try to like you know fill the the void uh you know they just have to talk all the time so he thinks he has to talk all the time he'll be in there like okay you might recognize this place you might not recognize this place Uh, i've been here before a couple times uh if you follow me you're gonna be okay just load up and like he talks the entire time and now it's moving into places that aren't video games last week last week he's playing hockey and uh and he, you know he's he's six years old and he's on the ice and it's like a little scrimmage across ice at the end of practice and and you know he pushes the puck up to a teammate and the teammate scores and there's no goalie it's like the goal is just kind of like you know yeah. uh uh down on its side so it's a smaller target and then the last thing that happens in the practice you know he gets a little pass and he shoots and he scores and we were like, it's never happens. And like, it's like, oh yeah, okay, he scored. And then he, we hear him down there, and he's like, got a stick up in the air, and he's going around, and he's like, yeah. And then he says, thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. But it is, it's a, it's a different world in such a weird way, yeah. uh, with the the way that they're talking, and it's, you know, we we laugh, but like, you know, sometimes we think about it, we're like, man, where's this going? But that's so cool to hear that she does that. Yeah, she's, uh, yeah, said some things that I'm slowly figuring out where they came from because they don't make mm. sense at the time. Like, oh, she saw that in a video. Mm. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I've played is I tried the Mario Bros. Uh, 35 on the Switch over the last uh, week, and it is a lot of fun. It's a little frustrating because they tweaked the original Mario Bros. game in like weird ways that I don't feel like they needed to. Like the the jump mechanic works way differently. Like when you bounce off an enemy, like you get like a ton of airtime that you shouldn't get. And when you pick up like a fire flower when you're little, it'll like fully grow you into Fire Mario just little things that kind of grind my gears because they're not what i'm used to but outside of that it's really fun like you play through a couple levels and they're all in like random orders and then all of a sudden there's like you know 10 extra piranha plants on screen and a bowser and like bloops are flying at you and it just doesn't make any sense and it's just fun to figure out how to get through those Oh, so, so for a sec, um, I was a little bit lost because I, I saw this and I was just in my head thinking of 3D All-Stars. Um, but uh, now I see you're talking about uh, 35. Yeah, so, sorry. Like, my head was in a different that. My head, yeah. my, that was just me. Like, my head was in a different spot. So I get what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah it's like the Tetris 99, but with the original Super Mario right. Bros. Yeah. I thought for a minute you were enjoying Super Mario Sunshine. That has never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it for my my week. So cool. So, so Skater Die in an afternoon. I, so yeah. I remember definitely playing Skater Die, you know, one and two, you know, and Ski or Die, uh, you know, briefly. But uh, you can um, beat Ski or Die way... in like twenty minutes. That game has yeah, right? no preset high scores, so you just slam <laughs> through it. Yep, and then so I I remember distinctly, you know, like the uh, Skater Die one and you know moving around the map and everything. I don't remember a ton about Skater Die two to be honest. So there's no map. You... It's like a side scroll well not even just straight side scroll because there's some of the levels that are like maze like you go into like rooms and stuff and find items but right at the start of the game you run over the mayor's wife's dog and like kill it and then so the mayor's wife's really annoyed and she tells the mayor like we need to ban skateboarding in town and then the first boss is you fight the mayor's wife you killed her dog and then you go find her and like fight her and it like 
you're just a terrible person in this game. <laughs> but there is but a you, you the whole way through point it. of the game after that is to build like you have to get plans and raise money and stuff to build this like really wicked half pipe for all you and your friends to skate on. Um, and then after you've beat the story mode, there's there's just half pipe like you just skate around the half pipe try and get as many points as you can and and the preset high score is. 99,999 points so you need like a really killer run so it took me like i think it took me four hours to finish the game and three hours was like playing through the game and then i just spent an hour on the half pipe like trying to figure out how to get points but once i got (laughs) used to the controls on it 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 was actually really neat and interesting and i had a lot of fun on the half pipe specifically very cool yeah so and then how how much do you think you have left on dragon warrior 4 before you can close the book on that guy i'm in the last chapter and if it's anything like any of the other dragon warriors the last chapter is going to take me as long as the whole rest of the game did so i've probably still got like 20 hours left i'd imagine because of grinding mainly or yeah because and all the other ones like you you really progress fine until you get to the last area and then it's like now you need to grind out 15 levels before you can like get through here and fight the last boss so that's that's what i'm anticipating gotcha I remember first getting into JRPGs, uh, you know, very, very late compared to, you know, some of you guys that have been on them on NES and Super NES, and just remember just getting to areas and just dying. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And people are like, you just have to grind in that area for a little while. And then you grind 10 levels, and you're like, okay, so I would pretty much grind an area until I, and my kind of rule of thumb was like, once I can, like, kill everything in this area in, like, one or two hits, or, like, not use a single healing item for, like, you know, like, five fights or something like that, like, then I feel like I can move on. So yeah. I don't know if you have uh, that same type of, yeah, type of deal. Yeah, and... like, I'm usually, like, I need X amount of money to upgrade this weapon or armor or something, and then I feel like, okay, I've made 2,000 bucks, I go buy my new half-plate armor, I can move to the next town, and then I get there, and it's like, oh, they got broadsword, so I got to grind out <laughs> 4,000 bucks to get this broadsword, and then I can go on, yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. So it sounds like you're having fun. Got a good, nice little variety in there. So, uh, uh, Chris, what have you been playing since we talked last? Um, well, I got in the mail um, from the very slow boat from Japan. But when I ordered, that was the only way they could come in. Because uh, it was at that point in time when I ordered, they, nobody but like DHL was doing any like fast shipping out of Japan because of the COVID stuff. So um, I'd order two Neo Geo games, and uh, so they came in like about you know maybe a week ago. Um, I had ordered them three three months ago, so that's just how long that stuff takes. But um, I got in uh, uh, Samurai Showdown two and Fatal Fury Special for the AES. You've been, and, yeah, you've been waiting on those for like three or four months now. Yeah, it's like literally been uh, like three months uh, since I ordered them. It was like the beginning of July. Is basically yeah. it's like it's like ordering from limited run yeah kind of it's faster <laughs> faster yeah. than that yeah it's kind of sad when my first my first limited run order just looking at this page like in production like i don't know if this is for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is weird because like uh you know i ordered the aes you know from japan uh, you know but that they used dhl and it was there like mm-hmm. not even like in a week it's kind of crazy but anyway so they came in, and so I've been playing um, those, mostly Samurai Showdown, because Samurai Showdown's a fantastic game. And yeah. 
it's nice because like when I first get the games in um, with the Unibios, you can cheat. You can put cheats on. So, you know, you can kind of like, oh, I'm going to play through. I want to see all the guys. I want to see the end boss. I want to see all the levels. And I'm shocked because I used to play Samurai Showdown 2 quite a bit uh, in the arcade. But like the difficulty was always so sky high, you could never get very far. And I didn't care. It didn't matter how many tokens you put in. Like people were just going to destroy you after a certain point <laughs> in time. Um, so now being able to beat it, I am really shocked at how much content is in the game. There's like all these cutscenes and everything that are in there. And like the ending is like really pretty long uh, and in depth. So there's like way more story to Samurai Showdown 2 than I ever, ever understood. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, it's like really in depth. So, you know, I would encourage folks if you've never gone through, at least I was playing, you know, it, you can choose whether to play the MVS version or the AES, AES version because it's all the same, the same cart. But I was playing the AES version. I don't know if the arcade version doesn't. Um, although, of course, you could, I'm sure with a Unibios, you could just play it on an MVS as well. But so that's what I've been playing because that's what I used to play the most of and trying to get down some of the moves again um, because there's really like a lot of special moves per character in that one uh, and trying to remember them all and then you have like that fury gauge that's at the bottom so when it fills up you have that like super weapon breaking move that you can do yeah. um, and you can just spam it until <laughs> until the gauge goes down so of course that's what you do right you just spam that move uh, but so it's, who's your who's your go-to character homaru yeah yeah, I, I, who do you like? Uh, it's been years. I don't. I don't have one anymore. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, I yeah, Homer is who I always used to play with. But um, you know, there was like in the first one, there was Tam Tam, and I used to play as Tam Tam a bit. But I don't unless I didn't see him. He may be in this one, but maybe I didn't fight him for whatever reason. Because it's also random, right? Whoever you get in the lineup. There's like a lot of characters in there you can play as Kuroku or however you say it. They've got two hidden characters so you can play as, uh, oh, you know, I that either. Yeah, you can play as the Kuroku, the guy with the flags, right? That so if you have like it's kind of like Mortal Kombat, right? Where they like first off he's like a hidden character. Where like if you do so well, he'll fight you. He'll like jump in. Yeah. It's like oh okay, and you go to his special lair and fight him. And then with the cheats, you can actually play as him if you want to. And also with the cheats, you can play as the end boss if you want to as well. So, like a lot of content packed into Samurai Showdown 2. Um, so, yeah, I would recommend that to anybody. And then also Fatal Fury Special, which I've not been playing as much of. Um, simply because time. Uh, but I, I also like want to spend some more time with that one. Uh, you know, it's the... A Fatal Fury special, I want to say, was... I don't think it was... Was it maybe out after Fatal Fury 2? It's always hard to kind of keep track because it's not, like, exactly... That's what I always named. assumed, but I don't... Yeah, I can't confirm that. I think it's after Fatal Fury 2 is the, where that one came because they just added some more characters to it. But the, all those SNK games, they did all this weird stuff, like World Heroes, World Heroes 2, World Heroes Jet, World Heroes yeah. Perfect. Blood. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just hard to keep track of where it fell in the timeline. But I played a little bit of that one. I have to get back used to it because the only character I ever remember anything with is usually Terry. <laughs> so sure, <laughs> um, and that's usually I end up playing with. But I'll need to spend a little more time with it and look up some move sheets because you know I just don't know a lot of those characters and and all the different moves that are involved with them. 
So as far as that goes, I've been helping a little bit kids like, hey, you talking about um, with Game Pass, like you can download so many. So, you know, I don't care. It doesn't cost me anything. So the kids will go through and look at like the list of Game Pass games and they're like, oh, OK, download this, download that, download that. And they'll just try them out. They don't like them. Who cares? I'll delete them off of there. Um, and they've been trying some ones out. I haven't really been playing them too much, but um, I did get dragged some back into some more Minecraft dungeons. So remember uh, you guys both mentioning that your kids were into Piku Niku. Oh yeah, um, which is the free game on Epic this week. Epic, so I might right. see if my kids will give that a try too. Oh, I bet. I mean, Eden's probably played through it like three or four times now. I mean, she's beat it. She just still likes to play, so she'll start a new game. She'll and she knows how to do everything now, so she can run through most of it pretty fast. Um, nice. But yeah, it's kind of one of those like goofy games. I think your kids would like it. It's great. Um, it's so good. Minecraft Dungeons, you know, it, I think we're on the last boss, which it's kind of like ridiculous. I think for a kids game, it's kind of ridiculous because, I mean, getting to the last boss is not so bad, right? If you, it's pretty like okay, well, if you just you take your time and do the right stuff and use your items and do everything you're supposed to do not too bad right the end boss is just ridiculous i mean just like really difficult tons yeah. of like insta kill moves and complex patterns and my kids were just like so frustrated almost instantly playing it and they've loved playing the rest of the game so they i kind of felt disappointed for them but it was just a situation like if they die like really quickly which it does because like one hit kills I can't raise them fast enough because if I try to raise them up, it just kills me and you wipe and you have to start it over. So I don't know. I told him hey, you can grind. You're <laughs> like, it's kind of like you can grind to get, you know, more powerful and better items and then maybe try it again. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they'll want to follow, follow through with it. It's just, it really hit me like this is not right that, you know, for a kid's game, this is a bad choice. I think, um, but yeah, uh, that's that's kind of what I've been playing. Cool. So I don't know if we've been over this before. I've never played an SNK fighting game. What? Ever? We had Neo Geo at our like Pizza Hut, and we would go there to pick up, uh, you know, pizza. And we didn't go there very often. We went to like our other place. But like when we went to Pizza Hut, it never had like a fight. It was always like you know like the baseball game or like the golf or like some other stuff. Um, and I ju it's I've just I've never played one. I was always it was always a Street Fighter Mortal Kombat house, and all of our arcades just like were full of Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter machines. Um, never played a Fury that is fatal. <laughs> never played a Showdown with Samurais. Um, I King played, of Fighters. Uh, nope. Wow. Zero. Zero. And not even like oh like I played it didn't like it like never have I touched a controller or a uh, arcade stick attached to those games it was just never never you know never an option for that us, amazes so. me because they were everywhere around here like every huh. mvs would have usually <clears throat> one fighter loaded up mm -hmm. and then you'd probably have like one whatever usually it was like a puzzle bobble or something yeah puzzle bobble was always right stable. and then you'd usually have a shooter and then, you know, whatever rando thing they wanted to throw metal in. Metal slug. Yeah, a lot of times mm -hmm. it was a metal slug yeah. or uh, something I, like I, that. Every time I played, I think it was almost always metal slug or, like, maybe baseball. Uh, what was it called? Baseball, baseball stars. stars. Yeah. Baseball stars, yeah. Yeah, Neo Turf Masters, that was pretty common. I would yeah. see that in a lot of Neo Geo, so. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Like, you couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere and not see an MVS with fighters in it. Back I think, back. yeah, and, I think and, Turf Masters and, was incredibly rare. Are you sure it wasn't Top Player Golf? Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I might be mixing those two. One of those golf games is like insanely I don't, rare. I don't expensive. know golf, so yeah. it was a golf game on yeah. Neo Geo. I'll say that much. Right. I didn't play it. It could have been maybe. Maybe I'm just thinking. I think maybe it's AES Turf Masters is a rare one. Maybe the MVS one's not as bad. I don't know. And I remember seeing bowling, the bowling game, pretty often. Um, it was like Super Bowl. I mean, that wasn't Super, but whatever it was, right? Yeah. Um, I, I I just remember it being like fairly uncommon to see a Neo Geo when I would go. Like, so we had an arcade in our uh, mall called Timeout, and um, uh, you know, I had a little skee ball area. Had you know, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, uh, had Marvel Capcom games for a little bit, and it had you know, like LA Gunners, like the big one you would stand on, and like the whole platform would vibrate, like nice. stuff like that. And they had DDR. But I'm telling you, like every arcade I've ever been to, you know, and then for a little brief period, there was like Primal Rage and like whatever, like the hot, you know, kind of trendy game was for a little bit. But I'm telling you, like, you know, every arcade I've, I can ever remember being in, there was like one Neo Geo cab just kind of like off on its own. And I'm like, well, I mean, if it like, you know, why is there always only one? You know, and you never played like the Super Nintendo Genesis like ports of these games either? Never. That's that's the crazy part to me. I didn't, I didn't really see the arcade fighters either until i was much much older uh yeah. but like yeah we grew up with like world heroes and samurai showdown we, and stuff yeah we we were it was like i guess just like every friend i ever had it was just like street fighter mortal Kombat, and like we just never left that kind of comfort zone of those games so yeah ne- never never a single snk 16-bit port was played either that's great yeah and like i played in the arcades i played lots of fatal fury samurai showdown fighters history king of fighters mm um uh, world heroes i mean all those they were yeah they were really popular um yeah, i mean i don't yeah, know so like people didn't line up to play them like they did the other ones but they were just mm-hmm. you could find them everywhere all right um so so maybe after we finish mario world we can go through like a little uh, uh snk uh back catalog uh re-education yeah no i'm sure at some point in time i want to i want to talk neo geo so oh yeah foreshadowing mm-hmm. yeah that might be a thing. <laughs> so, uh, so cool. So is, is that anything else you've been playing or is that, uh, does that wrap you up here? That's pretty much it. Um, I'm thinking about like, here's this part that I'm at and I don't know, you guys could talk about this too. Uh, or at least I guess Kelsey can talk about it. Um, PlayStation five hits like in a month. So I really don't know if I want to start anything up cause I don't know if I have enough time to finish it. Yeah. And it's 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 funny you mention that because uh, that kind of brings me into you know what I've been playing and kind of like where my habits have been going. Um, being a, a fairly regular Destiny player, you know, there's kind of like a cycle of like you know in the fall like the big expansion comes out, and then a few months later it's like okay like the next smaller you know seasonal content expansion comes out. Two or three months later, another season. Two or three months, another season, and then like the next fall you have your next big expansion. So the uh, Beyond Light expansion that was supposed to come out in September, like a week or two ago, like September 22nd or something like that, uh, has been delayed to November 10th. Um, at least I think it's November 10th. Maybe it's like the 12th or like some somewhere there. Just delayed till right when everything else is coming out this year. Uh, exactly. Is it because right? series, the series machines come out on the 10th? Uh, I mean, if it is, they didn't say that explicitly. Like they just uh, uh, referenced um, the uh, you know the pandemic and everybody at Bungie working from home, and the struggles of you know game development working remotely. Um, that's kind of what they said when they when they pushed it back. Um, but but getting back to like like kind of my game habits, like when it kind of gets to like towards the end of like that yearly Destiny cycle, it's like all right, 
I've kind of done all the stuff I'm going to do. Um, so now, and like, they always try to do the same thing. Like in those last two or three months, they're like, oh, here's the, you know, kind of the, the last hurrah. Like, here's the event where like you go back and you do the raids and you do this and you do this and we'll give you, your armor will glow and everyone will know that you did it and stuff like that. And like the first time it happened, I did it, put all this work in and then my armor glowed for like a day. And I'm like, well, that was dumb. That wasn't worth it. So now it's kind of like a, you know, fool me once uh, situation. So now I don't do it anymore. At the end of the destiny year, I'm like, all right. I'm done with Destiny till the new thing comes out. I'm going to go, you know, play other stuff. But with everything kind of hitting, like, whether it be... Cy I'm not getting the new systems at launch, um, but Cyberpunk's coming out. Uh, you know, we got uh, Destiny 2 expansions coming out. So, like, I kind of have that, like, month, month and a half, you know, that we're talking about of, like, what can I get in there quick and, you know, get in, get out, you know, figure some stuff out. So, like you said before, Chris, I try to jump in with um, Game Pass because you can find some some things that are little and it's not going to cost you any money. Um, I think I mentioned last time on the show that I was playing uh, uh, the Fractured but Whole, the South Park uh, sequel yep. RPG. Um, so not that I think that's going to be super fast, but it's like I feel like the story is like not like you know deep and complex enough that if I have to take a break from it, I'm not going to remember where I was in it. So like that's why I was okay starting it. But uh, uh, I started Oxenfree. Uh, it's been on my radar for a long time. And the Playcast, uh, I'm listening to like back episodes of the RF10 Playcast, kind of going backwards through the, the, the catalog there. And they, they mentioned it a few times. Um, and Sean mentioned it being like not just one of his, you know, his game of the year, but like one of his top 10 all time. And I was like, you know what? It's time to go back and do that. So I started, played like the first 30 minutes. And then my house guest uh, wanted to watch something on TV, so I had to I had to pause it. But yeah, it's it's fantastic so far. Um, the voice acting is great, the art style is great, um, the the dialogue system is fantastic. Where like it doesn't like stop the story and like make you choose a dialogue. It's like everything's kind of just like flowing. If if you've played it, you know what I mean. It's kind of hard to describe, but dialogue is just happening. And you'll see these three uh, dialogue choices that are kind of mapped to the three buttons. And there's no symbols or anything. It's just kind of like left, top, uh, right. So it's like if, you know, whatever controller you're on, the left button, the top button, or the right button would correspond. And what's really cool is the game doesn't, like, stop and wait for you to choose something. Like, the kind of the opportunity <coughs> comes up where you can uh, where you can say something if you want. But if you don't say anything, like, those opportunities just fade away. And it's like, yeah, that's how it would be. Like, if you didn't say something, like, the world wouldn't freeze and wait for you to choose. Um, so really, really cool so far. I'm looking forward to continuing that. Um, and just like Chris, um, while well, the kids will be like, oh, let's play something else. So we'll bring up all the Xbox, uh, Game Pass games and we'll go through and it's like, you know, what's that? I don't know. Let's download it. So we downloaded Cluster Truck. <laughs> um, have you guys heard of or played Cluster Truck? I've heard of it. We haven't played it yet. No. So it's kind of like, um... I don't know if you ever played this game that's available in regular NVR called uh, uh, Race the Sun or Race for the Sun or something like that. But it's just like a super, super, super fast, like kind of first person. Um, oh, well, Cluster Truck is, is first person, but basically it's almost like a, like a VR type simulation where like there's 18 wheelers. And imagine like The Matrix 2. Right. Or sorry, the Matrix Reloaded, where like you're fighting on top of like trucks and like you're jumping between them and everything. So basically what's happening is there's all these trucks, like 18 wheelers kind of moving forward on the highway. And you're in first person kind of mirrors edge like and you have to like jump. You have to like parkour from like one truck to the next to the next to the next kind of avoiding obstacles in the air. D and, like, dodging the pale twins. You. 
exactly right they're like they're like a, a phasing in and out of reality <laughs> in front of you and then like you know you kind of make it to the finish line that's like all right like there's level one so it starts off really easy and then it starts getting like really really hectic like the trucks will be going at like 130 miles an hour and you have like a rocket pack on. So you're going like it's, it's super, super fast. And it's kind of this weird, like arcadey, uh, you know, like uh, really, really hilarious thing where like the kids are like blowing up and flying, you know, like everywhere. And they're just laughing, right? They don't care if they, they get the level or not. They're just in the middle of this big silly simulation. But uh, besides being kind of a you know uh, an attention grabbing name uh it's it's pretty accurate uh the way that uh, everything starts uh, playing out uh so recommend it if you have game pass just to check that guy out real quick not super deep uh, but cluster truck uh, was a fun time i downloaded no man's sky after hearing uh comparisons to destiny about you know it came out it kind of didn't live up to expectations there was a lot of hype a lot of stuff behind it oh this is going to be another you know next big like exclusive thing and it's going to be awesome and i kind of came out and people were like done with it in like a week or two and they're like all right i think i've kind of played this so over the years it's had tons of uh, uh updates mostly free and i think a couple of like you know paid upgrades possibly um and i've heard from a lot of people that it's like a completely different game from when it first came out so fired it up gave it a try and I'm not sure if it's for me, um, because it really is more of like a resource collection. Um, it's really like more mind, like, cause I was thinking like, oh, maybe it is like Destiny, um, where it's kind of got that, like, you know, that, you know, uh, that loot, uh, itch Isn't and that, you it know, like more exploration focused. It's more like exploration and resource and uh and just like 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 you land and you got your little laser miner gun and say like, okay mine you know it's it could be something any plant or whatever but like oh it's carbon mine this it's oxygen mine this it's sodium and you're pretty much just mining yellow red blue things and once you get the yellow things that powers your you know it's like in breath of the wild where it's like, okay it's a uh, cold protection so here's environment protection for my for my suit and then you get green okay well this is stuff that i can craft this and this is stuff that i can craft this and i played it for a little while and i just felt like i was like doing all these things in order to keep playing the game right like it, i wasn't like doing them because they were fun or interesting it was like why do i do it was like almost like a like a mobile game why do i have to press this button oh this, so that you can press that button again in a few minutes mm -hmm. you know like there was there wasn't any like more depth to me so i watched a video like uh, there was this like 55 minute, you know, the perfect beginner guide for No Man's Sky in 2020. And I watched it for like 15, 20 minutes. And it was like exactly what I was thinking it was. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, this is this. And this is how you get a lot of this. And then you're going to get to a space station. You can sell this. Then you'll have money. Then you can buy this. And you can buy this and buy this. And I'm like, uh, I don't even know if I want to do all that stuff. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I had the experience. I'm glad I jumped in. And I see what they're doing totally not for me but if you love just collecting resources and clicking buttons uh maybe give it a try um so in destiny 2 i mentioned uh uh, uh i kind of take a break from that i did finally get anarchy which is the raid exotic uh from uh uh the um scourge of the past raid which is a very fun raid the clan mates took me through that four times uh to get that so it was very nice of them uh started cleaning out my vault in that game because i'm perpetually like you have a max item limit of 500 in the vault and I'm always at like 494 and then I'll like get stuff and I have to delete and it's like, well, I don't want to get rid of everything because I like to have, you know, one of everything. But since there's sun setting, nothing's going to really, you know, uh, it's kind of the equivalent of like a reset. 
So I, I deleted a bunch of stuff just to clear the vault out. I probably won't play it much before the expansion comes out in November, though. Um, and uh, of all things, so Chris, you mentioned uh, uh, the kids uh, were playing Minecraft Dungeons. So my kids kind of got into it initially and then kind of fell out of it fairly quickly. Like, okay, like, you know, we get it, but like, whatever. But then they kind of started going back to it and back to it. And my older son realized, okay, like I'm leveling up and I'm getting stuff. And, and, you know, at first, like they didn't know what they were doing with salvaging, you know, pretty much like dismantling your weapons and armor for, for jewels that you could spend on, you know, other vendors uh, in like your kind of uh, like your hub, you know, kind of like your home base. And then once I kind of explained a few things to him and my older son is reading, so now he actually can you know kind of put some of the menus together. So he started to kind of understand kind of how it works. And he is to the point now in his uh, young life where he will wake up in the morning, walk into the living room, turn on the Xbox <laughs> and just start playing video games, which is never really a thing uh, before this year, this last few months. So um, he'll just pop it on in the morning and just like, you know, play Cacti Canyon or, you know, whatever the swamp is called. And he's not really trying to grind. He's just like, OK, well, I'm only going to have like 10 minutes to play. So I'm just going to play a level and like we'll see what I get. And he's realized, you know, the difficulty slider. If you do it a lower difficulty, the loot's not as good. If you do it a higher difficulty, you might die, but the loot could be better. So he's kind of figured these pieces out. And just in all this extra playing, you know, now he takes me and his younger brother through Minecraft Dungeons and I have noticed that I die, you know, very easily because I'm a much lower level. But, you know, we get to the final button. He's like, oh, I want to take you to Obsidian Pinnacle. And we'll face the Archillager. Oh, and I'm like, I don't know. Fight, and, I'm, and I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, I'm probably going to die. And and my six-year-old carried me through this fight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm dying. And he's like, he's like, oh, when that happened. And you're right. Like, because every, and the thing is, I have no problem, you know, you want to make the guy hard, that's fine. But, like, no boss battle before this yeah. boss battle that I've seen has mechanics. Like, it's just, like, there's a big guy in the middle, and he's got very, very easy to... Uh, he, he telegraphs his, his attacks very obviously. Like, a big red circle will show up on the ground. Oh, there's going to be fire there in a minute. Or, you know, things are falling from the sky, <laughs> and you can tell. But, yeah, there's... It's, like, he kind of, like splits into like four people and there's like this geometry that you have to realize okay he's gonna shoot like there 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 so i need to be in this perfect spot or then there's like the pinwheel yep. where it comes out and it's just like goes around and i'm like well there's there's just no way to avoid that <laughs> and you know like can i roll through it here let me try oh dead because it's one hit you know so i, I definitely know what you're talking about but uh, just like my experience with it was you know my son being you know all the extra playing he's doing maybe leveling up yeah. maybe getting yeah, that gear I'm sure. yeah he, so he figured his way through it and now i'm like okay so are you done with that and he's like and i haven't i don't know the details so i might be saying this wrong but he's like oh no like there's like weekly challenges and you can go in and there's like so i guess there's like a featured you know yeah. world of the day or story of the week or whatever that you can go in and you might get a cool thing and he likes finding items that are unique and he's like you want, oh yeah he's, we're playing we're playing and he's like that you want to be like me you got to get one of everything <laughs> <laughs> so every time I, I get something that he doesn't have we go back to the hub world and there's a vendor there called the gift wrapper and you go to the gift wrapper and you pay him jewels to give an item to another player which like i i get it but like it makes me think of other games like borderlands where you can just drop an item or diablo when you can just drop an item 
and this game it's like it charges you an in-game currency which is like i get it you know so it 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 makes you play the game to be able to do it but like that's the kind of stuff where i feel like it's like right on the edge of like uh that's kind of just a thing that should just be a thing but whatever but yeah he like makes me give him all the unique uh drops that i get so i think that's probably a thing to keep when kids are playing online from somebody hogging Mm -hmm. all the items that they shouldn't take yeah yeah and they do have uh what do you call them I forget the word they use in the game, but it's like a protected drop yeah, or something. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like a drop just for one player, which is great. Yep. Um, and uh, and I got to tell you, it was actually really, really sweet. Like, And sometimes I think he's pressing my buttons, but other times I think he's just a sweet kid where, you know, we get home from his swim class and my other son's going to swim like an hour later or like actually like right then for an hour. And he's like, Daddy, we never get to play video games, just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you little son of a gun. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want to play? So we played we played some today. It was awesome. So, uh, but yeah, so, um, uh, and my younger son, uh, middle son, actually, the only other one who plays video games, just randomly, like he plays a Switch here and there, and just randomly was like, Dad, I want to play this game. And I'm like, that's a really hard game. As I, I don't think... And it's, but it's weird because I said that with, for Axiom Verge, and he like played it for a while. Like he couldn't really get far, but he enjoyed it when he played it. So he's like, I want to play Zelda. So I'm like, dude, it's really difficult. It doesn't give, doesn't hold your hand, doesn't tell you a lot. You know, you got to read a little bit. You know, so whatever. We gave it to him, and he was just like playing Breath of the Wild for I don't know how you know for how many days, how many hours like total, but we'd give it to him for 20, 30 minutes here and there, and he like you know on that initial plateau right like because you don't have the paraglider to get off yet so but he, st- he stuck with it and he kept bringing it to me and he's like i think i gotta get there but i'm not sure and uh, so i read to him like oh yeah you gotta get these four because the old man tells you you can see the four shrines from you know the tower so i mark them for him he beat the first two shrines and then the third one he kept dying trying to get to it and I was like, oh, you need cold protection. So I showed him how to, like, cook spicy peppers. And now he's cooking. He's like, dad, if you cook two of them, you get five minutes. You cook three <laughs> of them, it's seven and a half minutes. So he's actually starting to put it together. And then he, he beat all four. He's uh, he's five. He beat all wow. four of the initial shrines. He got the paraglider. And now he's just, like, trying to find. And he's like, you see that tower in the distance? And I'm like, yeah, dude. I show him the map. And I'm like, every one of these areas has its own tower. And he's like, how many shrines do you think there are? Like 10? I'm like, oh, dude, you have no idea. There's like dozens of shrines. He's like, dozens? 120. So, yeah. He's, he's, so he's really into it. So, um, you know, we're going to keep, uh, keep letting him kind of have a crack at it. But, you know, if, if you told me, you know, six months ago that your five-year-old is going to get really into Breath of the Wild, I wouldn't have believed you. But he's into it. So we'll let him keep going for a little bit. One that we um, popped in from Game Pass yesterday that <clears throat> they were tooling around with a little bit today. You might want to check it out because it's real simple and pretty easy and kind of funny. Is uh, no time to explain. So okay. uh, I recommend you check that one out. It's like really uh, the mechanics are based. It's like really short levels. Like just don't die, get from here to there kind of thing. And you're just a guy that can barely jump, not real well. And he has like this giant laser cannon that can shoot and also mm-hmm. like propel him like a like a rocket pack. So, you know, and the gimmick of the whole game is, like, for each level, like, he has traveled from his future. He's like, basically, like, no time to explain. You just have to do this. And so you're, like, chasing. <laughs> anyway, I won't, I won't ruin it's, it, but yeah. it's kind of fun. No, yeah, I, I wrote it down. It sounds funny. It's, it's funny because you say those words, and in the Destiny uh, community, uh, that's a meme. 
uh, a big one um, from from Destiny One. Uh, it was kind of like they didn't really have all the story figured out. So there's this character called the Exo Stranger, and they show up very early in the game, and you're kind of like like oh like like well your character doesn't talk of the silent protagonist, right? So your ghost is talking to them like oh like what's you know what's happening? What's this? What's this? And the line that the character says is. I don't even have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it kind of became a meme. And they're like, guys, this just means like we don't want to write the story right now. <laughs> so we'll do it later. It's like this. And that, event- that's kind of the gimmick with this game. Like you always are right. seeing like your future self being like mangled by something. Mm. So, and, yep. you know, you just have these goofy quips per level like, oh, my God, I didn't know I had this much blood. <laughs> and, you know, so you're, <laughs> you know, trying to get to this time portal for each little level. Yeah. So. And they're like super bite sized, you know, like a minute right. per level okay. or something like that. Yeah, I'm gonna try. And then like later later in the game, they actually uh, they they released um, they made a I can't I think it was an exotic pulse rifle called No Time to Explain, <laughs> kind of like a self deprecating quip at themselves. But so when you say No Time to Explain, that's where my brain goes. So <laughs> so yeah, so it sounds like we've all been uh, playing some good stuff, having some good fun. Um, so uh, let's get through a little bit of news before getting to our main topic, which is lore. Um, so Kelsey, what has been happening in the news that you are just bursting at the seams to talk about. I thought when you guys was going to bring it up. So since you didn't, I you thought outline. we should I, mention. You took it. Bethesda. No, I, I was the last one to put my news item in. <laughs> uh, but Microsoft purchased Bethesda since we last recorded, which is huge. Yep. I, I feel like they purchased it because of our last recording. <laughs> just, I mean, that's the way I see Ma- it. Anyway. Major Nelson. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you keep that under wraps? Yeah, because you know? they have not been good, with, especially these last like six months, for keeping anything under wraps. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like the Xbox and, and remember, S like, or whatever leaked, but they somehow kept yeah. this, you know, private. And, yeah, we we knew about that even, Xbox even, S for like a year. <laughs> and even on the Bethesda side, like it was a couple E3s ago that like Fallout seventy six was like leaked like three days before E three or something like that. Like yeah, how that's true. Something this big, and and they they joked about uh like walmart canada like thanks to our partners at walmart canada for <laughs> announcing this game for us yeah, honestly because it's happened honestly, more than once that is the best way to to like kind of like take that on the chin they didn't come out and like pretend no one knew about it they're like we want to thank our partners yeah. at walmart for helping us with this announcement it was so yeah. good well, wasn't it because the, the microsoft series x like they, they were so bad at keeping that a secret that like the literal trailer they were going to show started leaking and people were yeah. showing the like, trailer they had planned. So. But I think with this last leak with the Xbox One Series S or whatever, like there was a tweet from X, like from Walmart Canada. It was like, it wasn't us this time or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Walmart can't, the, the Wendy's Twitter, there's a bunch of those that are actually like run by some really, really funny uh, uh, teams, but uh but yeah, it's uh, uh, I, I don't know how you keep it a secret. I mean, as you know, as a Microsoft guy um, who like on, and I said before, I have nothing against Sony. I hope they do really well. I hope there's good competition because it's better when more people are doing well. But yeah, I mean, it's something that as a Microsoft guy and a PC gamer um, that I think uh, uh, is, you know, it, like a, a ground shaking, you know, revelation to think that there could be like big, big you know, if not exclusives, just things that are going to, you know, help line the, you know, Microsoft war chest or however you want to call it. But yeah. uh, for, for someone who's and, not been a big Microsoft fan, it just feels like more of the same to me. Like they bought the things they're already good at. So mm-hmm. it, it doesn't push me over there any more than, than it did before the announcement. Cause I'm not a fallout guy. I'm not a Skyrim guy. I still need to try 
Dishonored and Evil Within. Those are the two uh, properties that uh, Bethesda has that I haven't tried that I might have some interest in. I think Doom. Right. You have you can't forget Doom. <laughs> I've never played any Doom game. I'm just not a big FPS guy. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I yeah, mean that's a big. It's a big, it, it's a big deal and, for sure. And 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 good on them. And it's and it's the right thing to do. I would I would not like it if they didn't do this. Um, where they said that you know we're going to honor the PS4 the Sony exclusivity on things that have already been announced, and you know we're not going to like pull because you know that'd be kind of like pulling a fast one, but. Uh, but, and, and they talked about, okay, everyone's big question is, okay, like, what's the exclusivity going to look like going forward? And they're like, well, it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. So yeah, we when you look at other things, yeah, so when you look at other uh, things that Microsoft owns, uh, you know, like Minecraft, which is the big one, it's on everything. They're cool with it being, you know, mm-hmm. cross-play, um, you know, as, as, as much as uh, the other, you know, pr- uh, partners will allow. So, uh, and I think we've talked about before that Skyrim, not Skyrim, but Elder Scrolls Six seems like it's, you know, so far out like at least like two three years out um so i don't know if that's really going to be like a a a soon announcement but uh but yeah it was definitely a big one my hunch is they'll they'll still let sony have like the fallout 76 and the elder scrolls uh, online kind of games but they'll they might start keeping like you know elder scrolls and starfield and and doom and stuff for themselves yeah i i would i would think at the least you'll get like a one year type deal um where like you'll see it on other platforms you know sure. like kind of like uh what was it like um like you've seen before and it wasn't a microsoft property but like mass effect you know like, yeah two, did, they did, did it with no, tomb raider last gen as well yeah, I, yeah I, so a handful i think they want to sell game pass that's all microsoft cares about right now and yeah. that's a big reason why that, they bought this stuff and i think before yeah, this this uh this purchase i like game pass was just like oh that's cute they'll have their niche like it, it never jumped out to me but with this bethesda thing like that's that's huge for game pass and i don't like it one bit i, <laughs> I like i i don't like where i think game pass is going to go in a couple of years yeah. and i wasn't really worried about it before because i didn't see it like really taken off but i think this could help it take yeah. off and, and push further where i i'm yeah. uncomfortable with microsoft wants to be the netflix of gaming they want to sell services they don't give a crap about boxes and discs yeah and with uh, them joining with ea recently too like they're they're just got pushing hard email, to get yeah. there yeah oh. yeah i mean that's so, yeah. um, really with that and this xbox all access where you can get the game pass and the machine and all that like in one monthly payment I mean, that's a for a lot of people. I imagine that's a pretty hard to resist. Yeah, and people are so comfortable with that from doing cell phones for the last decade that I I don't think that'll be hard to get people interested in. No, no, big news. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. Big one. So yeah, what, what do you got, Chris? Um, you know, so nothing quite that earth shattering, but <laughs> a couple things I would just bring up kind of quickly is I was kind of surprised to see that demon souls is getting a special edition. That's only digital <laughs> and it's more expensive than the $70. So, you know, again, I go back to like, you don't save any money on digital. I don't buy the machine with the disc drive. 
I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, when they do those like special editions and they give you like digital like armor and and items and stuff, they're never good things. They're not things you want to play right. the whole game with. I don't understand right. the appeal of them. No, and I looked at it. I think most of these things are just going to be things you would normally be able to get in the game anyway. So it's like yeah. you get them early. Okay, you can start off a little yeah. overpowered, but that's yeah. I've I've all I've always always felt this way regardless of platform about pre-order bonuses and you know all it is it's just like a tiny little thing to push you over the edge and pre-order right so it's like these little incentives and like i used to hate them like you used to sell them and tell people like oh if you pre-order you get you know like a golden skateboard <laughs> with like silver bearings in the real you know it's like and in destiny i'm, I'm a little biased because like <laughs> sony and activision for a while had that partnership where yeah. like sony would get exclusive weapons exclusive exotics exclusive missions exclusive strikes and it would always say like oh it's exclusive for a period no shorter than 18 months or something like that then the 18 months would roll around and they're like okay yeah like it's it's going to be like in the next expansion whatever and then when they finally went like uh, independent they were like we're not doing that crap anymore because that was forced on us they didn't say that but everyone that's what they meant um so uh but yeah like you like the sony guys would always look at you with the little friendly ribbing like oh what's it like not having these weapons or not having these strikes and i'm like well what's it like them being bad (laughs) like no (laughs) no one uses them because like they're not going to give some of the players the best things in the game right so here's just a throwaway thing right so but yeah i I hate stuff like that Yeah. yeah i mean it doesn't really bother me a whole lot i wouldn't buy the digital edition anyway but i just thought it was a weird move but yeah. whatever um the things i saw was that <clears throat> i don't know it might even be too late now if you want one but um they made mvs versions of the neo sd pro so um if you're looking for a flash cart for MVS now, or maybe it was your time, because I think they said this is going to be a one-shot deal. They were going to do it once, and that was it. So if you wanted a MVS flash cart, I hope you got one, uh, or get one very, very soon. And then the last thing is Street Fighter League is getting ready to kick up. So they've been doing preseason for a little while, and uh, preseason is now over. So I believe starting next week, uh, the U.S. Street Fighter League kicks off japan street federal league kicked off last week so it's been going on so it's nice that when we don't have a lot of tourneys and see if that can happen anymore that we've still got some stuff to watch and it's been done i think safely uh and but still fun to get some of these players in a, in a space playing some games having the commentary so far they've been doing some tourneys online but this is you know actually live uh, but again, done safely. And so I was watching, like, for example, earlier, before we got on this call, I didn't get all the way through it, but I was watching the first week of the Japan Street Fighter League. And they just do a great job with the production. It's really mm-hmm. well done. If you are if you don't know Japanese, it's all subtitled. Uh, and they make a really good production out of it. They make it pretty fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, if you're in Street Fighter, you know, Street Fighter League, it's time. What about just a casual person who enjoys street fighter now and then is it still worth watching or is it kind of like just the hardcore would appreciate no i think if you watched you know i wouldn't recommend you know that the casual person probably watch the japanese stream because you know you have the the reading of the subtitles over the top of everything else you wouldn't probably able it wouldn't be as easy to pick things up i'd say yeah go watch the the regular u.s street fighter league play because um, they know the audience for that and they know that it's not all hardcore people so they do take the time to like break some things down 
and mm. talk about things for people that may be newer to those kinds of games. And they also have the commentary that's good for people that really know their stuff. So, yeah. I really like that when they do it at, like, uh, GDQ, where, you know, there's there's yeah. obviously people watching the games that, like, aren't experts in that game. So, like, a lot of times it's either the speedrunner or the person on the couch, if the person playing has to concentrate, like, oh, what he's doing here is this and this and this. And I find that stuff so interesting. So that would kind of be a style that I'd be, enjoy watching on the street. I was side. just watching uh, some of the this year's uh, SGDQ um, while I was making dinner today. I was watching someone run Legacy of the Wizard and the yeah the couch made that sh- like really interesting because like i've played through that game but they're doing all these things i didn't know were possible and <laughs> it's just nuts how they can like manipulate it and then they're kind of explaining how they manipulate things yeah fascinating it's it, over and over again every time i watch speedrunners like the number one differentiator between like like your regular casual player and like the speedrunner in the type of game that i play is movement um, a lot of people say like re- like reaction speed has a lot to do with that, but I'm telling you, like the way that these guys are able to m- manipulate someone through these environments, it is unreal to me that the human can have that type of ability on some of these guys that speed run, especially some of these old Half-Life games where like they they have to you know like kind of stick themselves on a door, and as soon as the door opens, they have to like reverse like backwards rubber band boomerang yeah. jump around this i, I can't even watch speedruns of portal because i don't understand what's happening because <laughs> yeah. i'm like how does your brain work this way like it's right. just nuts i i've actually i watched there's a, a, a twitch streamer uh, called dishrag that i've recently found out about she's really really good and she does these speedruns and she doesn't talk a whole lot over them so a lot of times people ask questions like what did you do at like 35 minutes and then she'll go back and make a video she'll take the stream she'll put it in slow-mo and she's like this is what i did i'm like but how did you do those four things at the same time you know like it's it's crazy so yeah so some street fighter action so that's cool um uh, i got a couple just small things and then we'll, we'll get to the main topic small, uh, you got like the biggest one of the week here i i did want to mention I, mean, I have to mention right uh, NHL 94 Rewind uh, has been announced as uh, a it's not completely clear but uh, it's been announced here's the trailer for it you get this mode for free when you pre-order uh, NHL 21 so it's basically like uh, uh, like full on 16 bit graphics uh, for like kind of like NHL they've like NHL 94ified the modern um, teams and rosters so you can play as the you know the current players and the current team. So they've added the Vegas Golden Knights and the you know uh, the new Winnipeg logo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you get to play it um, you know in the the 16-bit style on your modern console. So it's not really been clear because they said you get this free when you pre-order NHL 21. They haven't said uh, you know like is this a standalone thing that you can buy by itself for five bucks? Is it a downloadable mode and you still need NHL 21 to play it? So like they haven't really said that. Uh, but we've seen what it looks like. It looks awesome. NHL tried the NHL series tried this a number of years ago. <coughs> I remember what year it was? It was like NHL 11 or 14. I can't remember where they did like it was announced like an NHL 94 mode, and everyone thought this is going to be what it is. Like, oh, 16-bit graphics going to be great. But all they did was like make the controls simple. So you have three button controls like pass, shoot, speed burst. And it's like, oh well. But it still looks like you know modern. <laughs> so this is like this. This is kind of like going like that full in the way back machine. So um, definitely a really cool thing to do. Uh, definitely going to be uh, uh, on my uh, my list of things to 
to grab this holiday season because as much as I love hockey, um, paying 60 bucks for anything at retail uh, is not something I do. Um, there's going to be a sale on this thing, you know, in the holiday times, there's always sales in sports games and with EA, you know, doing that partnership, uh, with, uh, with the game pass, you never know, it might show up on there and then maybe just play. So, it for a so bit. even with what you know right now, if this is only a pre-order incentive, it's the only way to get it. You still not, nope. not biting, not doing it. Zero. I, I have a Genesis. I, you know, I, I'd rather, you know, so it's, and, but like gets back to what I said before of like. I don't want to like feed the troll of pre-order, you know, uh, incentives, you know, so I'd rather, if this is the only way to get it, not getting it. I don't agree with that practice. Um, but it's a really, guns, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a really cool, really cool thing that, uh, I think it'd be silly if they don't just have this as a standalone thing. It's, it's hard for me to think they could price this thing as a standalone over five bucks. And I feel like five bucks is a decent little thing really? to throw in for a free order. I feel like they could sell it for ten with no issues. Maybe. I mean, maybe that's just my brain is is back. In, like I remember back when I could buy uh, Symphony of the Night for like you know eight ten bucks. You know, on uh, on uh, like Xbox Live Arcade back when the 360 was new. So sometimes my brain is kind of in the old pricing ways. Every, so like with when, everything uh, jumping ten bucks for next gen too, I think yeah, you'll see true. some other jumps as well like that. Yeah, it might be. Cause, and like we said, uh, when um, Episode One Racer oh, was coming out on Switch, I was like, oh, like I would grab that for five bucks. And then it came out, and it's like, oh, it's not five bucks, <laughs> you know. So it's that's, uh, yeah, that's it's, more it's, normal on the Switch though too. That things have a little premium to them. That little tax, yeah, exactly. And one more thing I wanted to mention, even though it's not news, it's just a rumor, but it's been picking up like a little bit of speed, even though Bungie's CEO Pete Parsons has oh, said yeah. this is Multiple not true. Times. But a, but a handful of times it's come out in the news like, okay, Microsoft might be trying to reacquire Bungie. Um, and there's been a handful of like very circumstantial, you know, pieces of evidence, not evidence, but like circumstantial things that are like, well, if they were trying to acquire them, this would happen and those things have happened. Um, so, but, you know, they're not just ignore like P. Parsons is like, this is not real, like at all. But then after he said that, they went back and like whenever a company acquires someone, another company, they're required to bring out an officer to like, you know, oversee that. And that has happened. Um, so I'm not a business person. I can't read those documents and figure out if they're real or not. But uh, a bunch of uh, employees at, at Bungie have tweeted it and they're like, I don't know why you guys think this is real. This is not real. But it's picked up a little bit of traction recently. So just wanted to mention it. Uh, I personally have no opinion on that. I'm going to, you know. Yeah, Bungie's gonna make the Bungie's make, gonna make the game they're gonna make. It's like Bethesda for me. Like I know it's a big deal to so many people. It's the same kind of stuff they already have and are good at that doesn't interest right. me. And and the and the thing too is like it'd be different if like they were acquiring if Microsoft was acquired. If speaking of Bethesda, it'd be different if like they were acquiring like you know like Insomniac or you know like uh, Naughty Dog. You know like something that it's like oh you know they don't have the people that do this you know yeah. but. But like it's like they had Skyrim before, and they still have Skyrim. It's like, okay, well, I mean, like we had it, you know, and now we still have it. So like, yeah, it's well, I mean, it, I think it's a very much like we'll wait and see where it goes type thing. But I mean, as far as the Bungie thing, Bungie was owned by Microsoft, and then they weren't owned by Microsoft, and then they were owned by Activision, and then do, they weren't. Do you think the Activision rumors are just like people frustrated with the last few Halos, and they just really want those teams to like converge again? And they're, uh, they're kind of looking for things that might not be there. 
it's possible. I mean, like the world is full of conspiracy theories, uh, uh, and people who want to believe in them and who, you know, want the clicks and want the stories. Um, it's, it's hard to say, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why people seem to, you know, like, like, you know, need to push things, you know, the news into a direction that they want it to go or to, you know, see if they can drudge something up. But, uh, is Bungie um, just destiny? Like, do they have other games that I'm just not aware of? So Bungie, so modern Bungie, so Bungie who makes Destiny right now, has received a large amount of money from a Chinese company. Uh, uh, and, and, I, and I don't get into the business side of things, but I know they've received like a enormous amount of money from a Chinese company to as an investment. So like they're they don't like own them; they have to like pay them back um, to develop a new property. So everyone kind of knows behind the scenes that Bungie is working on a new IP and no one really knows what it is or a new property or a new something. For a while, people were thinking, uh, like it's a Chinese company, it might be a mobile app, it might be something kind of out of the realm of gaming. But, uh, but yeah, there's nothing else on Bungie's uh, like official calendar uh, game-wise besides Destiny. And that it was kind of a question mark coming into the end of the, the, end of the summer of like, okay, is this going to be the end of Destiny 2 and are we going to Destiny 3? So when they came in, they were like, nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to kind of like retire some of the content in Destiny 2. We might bring it back here or there. It's going to shrink the install size of Destiny from like 110 gigs down to like 40 gigs because the game was just growing and growing and growing over the years. So that's kind of cool that the that the footprint will kind of shrink and it'll become uh, easier to manage and easier to patch. Um, but with them coming out this year and saying, here's the major expansion for this year here's the major expansion for next year and here's the major expansion for the year after that we know we have like three more full years of destiny happening beyond that we know nothing so once they kind of announced that plan people were like okay well it's possible that they're planning this new ip to launch you know towards the end of that at, of that cycle so that they can kind of transition into it but uh i mean destiny is a huge money maker for them and I don't think you walk away from that. So whatever yeah. else they're working on, I think it's going to be a branch. Branching I don't, I don't really where... see the appeal to Microsoft either. If, if it's not like a stable of IPs or if, if there's like, wouldn't you rather just, you know, spend a couple hundred grand and like poach some lead designers or something rather than buy the whole right. company? Yeah, it's, it seems weird. And, and the weird thing is like people have tried to poach Destiny employees before and a few have left for projects that haven't been announced yet. So like, they were destiny guys and now they're like their twitter handle is like oh like lead designer at unannounced or you know to be you know determined um but their lead raid guy uh uh joe um uh his twitter is joe garoth but that's not his last name it's a to pun on one of the destiny raid boss names but this guy was the like their their lead raid designer and he left uh earlier this year and he went to riot um who makes um league of legends yeah um, and uh, we were kind of, a lot of people were kind of surprised, like, oh, like, why would Joe leave Destiny? He's done like all the best raids, and he's great, and everyone loves him. And he's he's a he's a big MMO guy. Um, he loves WoW. He loves uh, League of Legends. So he left and he went there. But it was also kind of around the time that it had broken that like maybe the work conditions at Riot maybe weren't the best, especially for women. So it was kind of weird that you know he was kind of going there and you know going to this company that was kind of in hot water for stuff. And I don't know how long it was. Maybe it was like four five months maybe six tops and then he tweets he's like well you know it was a fun adventure it was a cool detour i am coming back to bungie so don't know what happened you know why he left there but you know 
there's been a handful of, of guys who have done that where like they kind of pop out and they're like, oh, this isn't like Bungie. And then they go back to Bungie. <laughs> so um, it's uh, it might be one of those things that like, you know, if you know, if you have a, you know, a stable work environment that people are treated well, that people like, you know, coming to work, they like doing what they do. Not like, uh, not to throw shade, but like not like a Ubisoft or a Rockstar or a Riot that just has overflowing amounts of uh, complaints and, and reports of, you know, not it, being treated well. Neat, and... neat management too that are willing to like hire them back after like no hard feelings, like trust yeah. them. Like we've got a good thing. We know you'll see it if you go try something else. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good point because a lot of times, you know, like you're like, hey, listen, you know, I've enjoyed my time here. I need to take this opportunity. I could imagine some bosses being like, all right, peace out. And then you come back to them and you're like, listen, yeah. I had the experience. I see what's going on. I really, you know, I, I realize what we had here. I think I want to come back here. And I could imagine the bosses being like, nope. Yeah, you're done. E- either that or like start at the bottom again, like one of those two. Yeah. 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 So. But yeah, so uh, by I mean by all accounts, like and Pete Parsons too. Like I mean, obviously I don't know the guy's the CEO of, of Bungie, but uh, from all accounts of what you hear from like uh, Bungie employees, like for I, I don't I don't know what anyone's politics are, but like he's there in Seattle and he's out like in the streets like with the protests, like you know like giving people water, like you know like helping that, out. Yeah. yeah, he's uh he's always been a real active guy in whatever his community you know has told him that they're passionate about. So. Uh, he's gone out and, and I think done a really good job with a lot of that stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, so back to the original, you know, like it's totally a rumor, like most rumors, it's probably not true. Um, but, uh, you know, just the fact that it's come up a handful of times in the past, uh, you know, month or two, I just thought it was worth a mention. I think that's probably because I think Microsoft has basically said that they've, they're still possibly looking, looking to, acquire. to acquire so yeah and i've heard the same yeah. thing about like oh maybe they'll scoop up a capcom or a sega atlas or yeah. uh, sega i've seen pop up yeah a couple times recently <clears throat> so you know i i would imagine it w- yeah. it would be behoove them to look at a japanese studio since they're on this track it wouldn't surprise me at all at this point with their focus on game pass so you know if they pulled up a capcom yeah. or a i would think a sega would be a bigger deal because of atlas that would be a but, huge deal. That's like got tons and tons of properties. Like they got what Yakuza is really big now. They got yeah. Sonic, Persona, all the Shimigami stuff is huge in Japan still. It'd be an expensive get, but you know, oh, big time! But you yeah. know, they bought Bethesda, so whatever. Yeah. So we'll wait yeah. and see. I, I would. I don't think they're done. No. Yeah. I, I forget what the tw- who did the tweet. It might have been Schreier, uh, but I think he said like. I forget how long ago, but he was like, you know, Microsoft's biggest problem is like, like exclusivity or like games that you can't get anywhere else. And then like, uh, he tweeted, um, he like retweeted that tweet and he was like, Microsoft has acquired 17 studios since I made this tweet <laughs> or something like that. Like, and cause when you, when you figure in, you know, like all like kind of like the sub guys and all the, the other teams, cause of what is, what's the, Bethesda, yeah, they acquired like nine the, different studios or something yeah, out of that. What's the dishonored, um, uh, a team. I can't remember. They, yeah, because they got Bethesda, they got Id, they got Arcane. They got, Arcane. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like Every time I hear Arcane, I, I think Arkham. Like, oh no, it's Rocksteady. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, so like I said, we'll we'll wait and see about that. Um, and uh, so with that, uh, all that stuff out of the way, let's move it on to the main topic here. Pause for a little musical interlude. If Kravy wants to put some Lamb of God in there. 
So for our main topic, uh, we're going to talk about lore. Uh, this is something that we've talked about for a little while, kind of behind the scenes. We'd like to talk about uh, some lore. It's kind of a big, broad, uh, you know, topic. It's hard to kind of like uh, zero in because, you know, obviously lore like, you know, stories or fiction or, you know, uh, science fiction or even like historical fiction. It's it's so broad. It can go in so many different directions. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of always been hard for us to kind of hone in and figure out how to focus it. So we've come up with a handful of questions and kind of uh, topics to kind of go down uh, the rabbit holes that we want to go down. And uh, so we just wanted to start off by talking about uh, the difference between story and lore. Um, when, when you just talk like on the surface, you know, most games with just the smallest amount of narrative will have some kind of story. Uh, you know, a dinosaur guy kidnaps princess, you must go save princess that's the story you know and then the lore is the deeper you know things behind that where what is this kingdom's history what is the language that they speak what's the language that they used to speak do these people interact with these people why don't they what's the history behind that so that's kind of like the you know peeling the layers of the onion back so um kind of the first question i wanted to uh, pose to the guys here uh growing up how aware were you of the lore within a game that wasn't based on a known property like a Star Wars or a Batman or something that you kind of knew about the story going in. Was that something that when you decided a game you were going to play, you uh, had any idea of the, you know, kind of the lore, the the world that you were getting into? I mean, back in the day for me, the, all the only lore you were probably going to get was from the instruction manual. I mean, you, that counts. You would read that Zelda instruction manual from cover to cover a few times Absolutely. to understand the basics. You didn't get a lot, but it was interesting. I mean, you were curious, like, well, you know, what? Where did Ganon come from, and you know, how did he get here, and you know, illustrations in that manual were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was really well done. Um, yeah, you're like, okay, well, Hyrule. What's the story there, right? Other than just Pigman steals princess, you know, and, it's, yeah. <laughs> and now you got a sword. Go get her. Um, yeah. or, or from like you know, letting the start screen just go a little bit longer, yeah. and then you know you kind of get your Star Wars you know scrolling story that way. But yeah, or like Super Mario Brothers, where you'd read the manual and learn like, oh, all these bricks are people, and I'm break I'm breaking <laughs> them all the time. Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that, yeah. but I get points. <laughs> right. So, so when you're talking about uh, the manual, um, you're going back to uh, like what, like Atari and NES uh, mainly. When you talk about uh, where you're going to get your lore from, yeah, you were playing. I, I was going to say my my neighbor had an Atari growing up, and I think my first introduction to like lore outside of the game was the Yars Revenge manual that oh. he had on his TV, because it like gave a whole backstory to this game, and I'd like like maybe Pitfall and Adventure, you know, you could get some lore from. But other than that, like Atari games weren't really. Atari had Deep comics in... though. There were there were some comics that went along with some of their games that you would get with yeah. it, and like Yar's Revenge and stuff that would tell a little yeah. story. Yeah, that that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, at the beginning there wasn't a lot. You would or like you'd get you'd read Nintendo Power or Fun Club News, and you would get a little trickle of more information, but it just you know you there wasn't a lot to get. There wasn't a place to get it from. 
Um, so is it, yeah, go ahead, Kelsey. Well, I was just going to say, like you mentioned the opening scrolls, and I think the first one of those that really got me was Mario 2. Um, I don't remember getting into the lore of, of Mario 1, but 2, like having that like subcon and this whole different world, but it's the same characters that I knew. So it, it seemed like they existed in different uh, parts of the universe kind of thing, which, which made it more interesting to me. Maybe because it was different universes. <laughs> I didn't know that as a kid. Right. I, and and sometimes I, I think ignorance is bliss with that because, you know, being a kid, like, you know, just Mario 2, yeah, right? Yeah. It wasn't for years later before you found out, oh, the business behind it. No, it was too hard. And we made this one. And, like, it, it was it was just like – and I remember in my head thinking, wow, like, Mario 2 – it's really different from Mario 1. And then I also remember thinking, yeah, but Zelda 2 Adventure of Link was really is different, really different yeah. from Zelda. So I was like, yeah, it still could be the same thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, like I, I remember, um, uh, you know, we've talked about before that I, I played a lot of Mario on the NES uh, as a kid. And, and I, you know, you kind of knew the story because you're going after the princess. But, like, I had zero additional knowledge of, you know, like kind of the kingdom we were in and does someone rule it and is there a king and stuff like that and, and zelda was probably the first time i became aware that i was in a world that was bigger than just you're a guy go beat this level and then beat the next one and beat the next one that you're done with the game um i remember that scroll was like really important to me like it would it went up and i remember also uh beyond the story it would kind of come up and it was like, here's all like the, the power ups and the artifacts. And like, you know, here's like the power bracelet and here's the, the whistle and this. And I remember thinking, man, there's so much in this game that I had, like I've played it for a ton. I haven't scratched the surface yet. Right. And you'd ask your cousins, have you beaten it? Like, <laughs> Oh, where's the second temple? Oh, you got to go down here and over there. And it's funny. Cause when I was looking up for this show, the definition of lore, uh, it's, it's often, referred to as like the stories that are uh, passed down like often by word of mouth or by like finding kind of like fragments of uh, you know writings or artifacts or things so it's cool that like you know we're trying to figure out the lore of this world by word of mouth you know but kind of before the internet like uh, you would get so much information from like you know like people you knew or like other gamers or you call 1-900 you know nintendo tips uh, with your parents permission um, but, but yeah, Zelda for me was definitely the first time I became aware of a deeper story, you know, within a game beyond just kind of playing through the levels, like I said. So, uh, do you, do you guys remember the first game where you realized like, wow, the, the, the lore is way deeper than I expected it to be. Um, deeper might than be, I expected to be mortal Kombat for me just as a series Ooh. because like chris mentioned earlier when he was talking about samurai showdown like there was these secrets and you weren't sure if they were real and then as the games progressed like you'd find out like oh those were real and now that's a yeah. part of the main story and now there's this new secret and and yeah. how does noob sabat fit in here and reptile and and then they become playable characters and and i remember talking about those a lot at recess like trying to figure yeah. out like who's related to who and are these guys allies or enemies yeah. and and which was weird because very little of that is like flat out told to you in the games like you just kind of right. figured out as the games kept coming out it's it's funny you mentioned fight because i just in researching for the show i never really think of fighting games you know being like lore based but like now that you say that i remember just being like glued to the screen if i was in the arcade and somebody was about to beat street fighter because i'm like oh i haven't seen his ending yet yeah. you know mm -hmm. and like that's what gave you like some of the you know because you like 
you know, one fighter could be, okay, like, well, you get a little bit of, uh, of uh, uh, motivation from, like, the win text, you know, like, uh, uh, and then you get a little bit from, like, you know, where they're from and some of these just, like, little snippets. But then, like, the ending is, like, okay, I've finally done what I set out to do. Now I'm going to go home or now I'm going to see my mom or now I'm going to go back to my family or now I'm going to continue for the next fight. And like, yeah. it gives, it gives you this, this extra piece. And that, that's a really good, good one. Looking at fighting games like that. Oh yeah. yeah Cause I, I don't remember too. when I figured out Chung Lee was like a secret agent and it was like a revenge mission and stuff, but that's like really cool. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's yep. not instantly knowable. Bison killed yeah. her, killed her dad. And, yeah. uh, and you know, like the whole famous uh, Jimmy, and he finds Blanca finds his mom, and you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, he's a lost jungle kid. That makes sense, yeah. right? I, I could sense. not, I could not believe that they actually like got that in the movie too. <laughs> uh, oh, that was so cool. Yeah, it's not and and maybe, <clears throat> hey, I I got it on Laserdisc, and I we will watch it again. The what, next what time day was it for you, Bill? <laughs> Uh, the best day of my life. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember um, this is not a, uh, uh, a uh, what do you call it, um, a common one that people really talk about. But I remember uh, Mortal Kombat 4 uh, and like it came out and I remember um, was it three or four. I think it was three. No, it was four. Um, and this was... Um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, uh, Rico or Re- Reiko? However you say that. The... I pretty much stopped at three, so I don't know. I I remember. Um, I think it was Rico. Someone old. Four was Quan Chi, uh... right? Had Quan Chi yeah. on the yeah. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich, yep, Rich, my boy, Rich Divizio. I got his autograph on my uh, Mortal Kombat machine. So, um, but yeah, he was this character, and he kind of had like, you know, remember like the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, mm-hmm. the wrestlers. Yes had like those like or ultimate warrior had like face, those like yeah. the the face paint on so he's just like kind of like a red you know outfit and like his face is exposed and he's got white eyes and he's got like paint on him and i remember i was at my friend uh, uh tad's house in high school and we would like play video games all night that was where his house was where i we bet uh beat uh, metal gear solid for the first time it was amazing so we we got mortal kombat 4 and we figured out this cheese where we could just like beat anybody you would just run up to him and like you could like change the plane you were on right like walk up or down so we'd like run up to someone like change the plane roundhouse kick would hit like every time <laughs> on like uh so we with the same move like we just like eh, <laughs> over and over again because youtube didn't exist we wanted to see the endings for like each character so we went through like each character like one night and just like beat the game on cheesing it and like looked watch the ending and to this day it's like one of the most like shook ending shook i've ever been like when i watched an ending for something uh, so so you you beat the the final guy Quan Chi, and then you're like the the ending is right there like you're you're just done fighting and you're in your fighting stance and you kind of relax and then you just kind of like slowly like walk like up you know like uh uh off of where you're you know kind of like been fighting onto this platform and you sit down and and you morph and it turns out this guy that you've been fighting as the entire time is not just this random dude who just showed up in Mortal Kombat 4, but you are Shao Kahn. Ah, okay. And it just, and now you're Shao Kahn, and then like over, credits roll. And I just remember being like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah it's 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 so cool yeah. to bring up fighting games just that 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 level of like oh, i wonder what the story is you know behind this character because you just don't want to have like a you know face like a like a, a a character without a backstory that you can kind of get into yeah did he did he tell you so, you suck when he <laughs> yeah <laughs> you suck. i forgot about that <laughs> that's my you i love suck. that about mortal Kombat. that's like, so you good suck. <laughs> yeah that was amazing. I used to. I think we. I mentioned before. Uh, we used to get dropped off at the movie theater to play Ultimate MK3, and we would like read in magazines how to do all the moves and stuff. And then we would go, you know, get dropped off at the theater and just like play play the game there. But oh man, that was he. He was infuriating to play oh, against. Yeah. Talk about like like just the arcade machine cheating. Um, and it's it's funny as you get older and like I've acquired a handful of arcade machines and you look at the difficulty setting dip switches. <laughs> yeah. And there are difficulties on there where it's like, don't let the player win the first round ever. On, <laughs> you know, like, do, doesn't matter if you take all his health down. You are not, and you've done that before, right? Where like you're like hitting Mike Tyson, you're like, why isn't he dying? Why isn't he doing it? Well, it's built into the game. So, um, yeah, that's funny. Um, so yeah, so uh, I've kind of got like the 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 basics and kind of some intro stuff out of the way. So I thought we'd each talk about a couple of games. Uh, that have just well-known lore um, that people kind of know for um, for the not just the story but like you know the world uh, that they kind of come in so uh, if we want to kind of go through uh, we'll do one each and we'll kind of go through uh, like that so if you want to start with uh, uh, Kelsey uh, what do you got for us sure uh, so one that uh, I remember being aware of there being a broader world but not really experiencing it uh, was when I played the Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance games um, so they're part of like this Forgotten Realms, like D&D kind of world. So there's like shared places in beyond like Dark Alliance, like in the old Baldur's Gates and Icewind Dales and stuff. Like there's mm-hmm. there's moments of characters and locations that exist beyond each game, but they're all linked together, like kind of superficially through through the stories. Um, so that was, that was a really formative one for me just to see that like these games exist beyond just themselves because um, like prior to that especially the role-playing games it was, it was mostly like final fantasies for me probably and they don't really link together between games for most part. like they have those tropes like you'll see chocobos and, and a sid and you know a moogle and stuff but um it wasn't like they all had like the same locations and events that people knew about from game to game to game so that was really neat to see like this persistent lore like mm that you know existed beyond genres even yeah no for sure that that's a really really good one and i remember uh working at babbage's and seeing these games come out and just thinking you know that there wasn't a connection but then you would always see that you know D stamp or like you know that it was like from this universe or from this world and then as, as you kind of got into a few of them it's like oh like these guys know about those guys like how do they know about that oh because it's you know they would know because it's a yeah D&D game you know? you'd so. hear about a certain tribe or race like mentioned in one game and then like five years <laughs> later you'd be playing a different related game and you oh it's those lizard men i remember yep. hearing about <laughs> <laughs> very cool all right chris what do you got i mean you guys can probably guess where i'm going to start but uh um... yeah i'm ha- happy to go there <laughs> yeah i mean it's probably you know that's what it gets known for dark souls uh, or the for a lot of the from soft games so i'll just say dark souls because it's probably the biggest known one and that is there's a gigantic backstory to that game and honestly if you just play the game straight and don't look for it you just you won't know it and you won't yeah, get hardly which any i 
I did. Like, that's how I play games. And I remember, like, picking up little pieces, but I didn't know what happened. And I was talking to you after, and you're like, well, there's, you know, an evil framp, and there's, like, the, you know, the the queen's not really the queen. And I'm like, how do you know all this stuff? And you're explaining it to me. And, yeah, there's so much depth there that you can easily miss in those games. Yeah, it's everything is parceled out to you in very small pieces, mostly through item descriptions. And a lot of these items, if you don't bother to take the time to find them, even in the first place, you would never even get the information. So it really mm-hmm. pays you to dig in, find everything, and piece it all together from all these little morsels. Because usually with each item piece, I mean, you'll get a description, this is what the item does, and then here's this tiny little nugget of information that yep. we're going to give you. And then once you start piecing all these little nuggets of information together, you start, okay, wait a minute. You know, like the game is never going to tell you straight out about uh, what happened, you know, to Gwyn's kids and yep. why Anne Orlando is the way it is um, and who Ornstein and Smo are. I mean, you just would just like, oh, these are just guys I have to kill. If you didn't pay any attention, <laughs> that's all you would know. These guys have a thing I want. I got to kill them. Whatever. Yep. You wouldn't understand why you get to you know, Gwendolyn after that either. You'd probably like, just whatever, okay, here's a big chick. She's going to give me a thing, and away I go. And you would probably think, like I think, Kelsey, when we talked, that um, Frampt was telling you the truth, and you should just do everything that he tells you to do because that's what games do. There's a guy that tells you, go do this thing, and you do it, and he goes, good job. But you can find out that, well, I mean, he's he's got his own agenda, and so, you know, what he's telling you is good for him and what he wants to get accomplished, but is it the truth? Eh, not exactly. Um, and that's kind of what I like, is a, that where it really just puts you in this place, in this world. Your character is a significant piece of it, but really it is not the prime mover of any of this stuff, right? Um, right. You're just a, a pawn in the game, and how much time do you want to spend learning about the game, right? And that's what lore is all about. Mm. And the way you described it right there is like my like exact definition of of what kind of lore is to me is it doesn't tell you like you can't jump into, you know, like a thing and then say, okay, like, well, what happened here? Well, you can't say what happened with this queen because all you have are like fragments and like little pieces that you picked up from a weapon or from a book or you heard from this guy but he has an alliance to this guy so can you actually trust him because this record over here contradicts it and and at first it's like infuriating because you just want to find out what happened but then as you kind of get deeper into it you start to realize like these webs are, are kind of created this way on purpose to make it like a hole that you got to kind of dig down into and then you start watching you know like youtube lore series and try to get more into it and it's like but yeah that's exactly and when i first started playing destiny one years ago i was like there's no story here there's nothing because you just get in there and it's like it's there's a story there's a there's the deepest like world i've ever found but it's not told in cutscenes, and it's not you know told in like you know level one level two here it is like the world is there you have to dig through those pieces to to find those stories and it's it's unreal that's a, that's a good that's a good one. I mean, that, and we definitely knew you were going Dark Souls. Um, I think you know where I'm going in the future. Um, but uh, I'm going to start somewhere different but related, um, and I'm going to say uh, the Halo series, um, and not just because uh, you know it's Bungie and I like them, and not just because Halo was was a big game, um, but uh, it kind of transcends um, you know 
what some of the other like sci-fi games like there's other like big successful sci-fi shooters that don't kind of have this level of uh, uh of, of kind of like story and world building with you know the master chief with the humans with the flood with the covenant with you know kind of the history of of reach and the fall of reach and like you know like the the we haven't talked about books a whole lot yet but uh um you know where you have uh you know the stories of these games that get put into fiction that gets released in you know paperbacks and uh uh there, there's actually more than a few um uh, halo books out there uh but it's yeah it's one of these worlds that you know and a lot of times with these sci-fi shooters like i don't mean to name one that you know just randomly but like something like resistance that like when the playstation 3 was around it's like oh like here's a really good you know sci-fi first person shooter and it just you know it's one of those things that like it could be a great game but like there's nothing you know that that kind of scratches underneath that surface uh you know it just kind of like you know ends up fading away and like people don't talk about resistance 20 years later you know what i mean it's great at the time and then it kind of goes away and what was always kind of great about uh about halo was how and bungie is this is always what i think bungie does really well is they make you feel very very small in a very big world so if you get into a place and like even like doom like doom doesn't do a great job of this in the early games like you get in and you're kind of in a small room and you walk over here and you go over there and you go through a corridor but then when you kind of it opens up and you realize you're in like a much much bigger place uh you know when you land on the ring and you're like okay like i'm on this little you know kind of green grassy plateau but then you kind of look up and you realize man this is like unlike anything we've ever been on and you all you immediately want to know what is this why am i here why is this thing a ring world why are we shot down who are these aliens and like every time you go deeper like there's an answer um and and even though the game does kind of take you through that level one through level 10 it has the deeper lore there if you want to if you want to dig for it um i kind of fell out of the lore for halo around the time like halo 3 came out um but yeah it, it just it keeps going like there's like i said there's books there's comics there's there's all sorts of stuff, but yeah, Halo's one that uh, uh, I think is kind of one that people know that there's uh, like a deeper world to discover down there. Yeah, I, I would similarly echo, I mean, kind of coming back the same, but like <clears throat> in the series, Dark Souls 3 does a really good job of making you feel very small in places because as you start progressing into the story, there are these little set pieces that are in there that make you go, oh crap, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. You know, is anything that you're doing even worthwhile? Yeah. And does it matter? And, and and just when you hesitate there, like the 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 most infuriating thing about sharing lore with people who aren't like into the property is that you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you you can't get. And and I found this out the hard way when I tried to share Krabby. I was like, Krabby, here's like the history of like Oryx the Taken King. <laughs> like the Destiny history starts from nothing. And he was, and I watched. He sent this me a four-hour like, video. Oh wow! And I, and yeah, but I was like, you can like, because it's like it's like chunks, right? So you can do twenty minutes, and that's like chapter one. You have ten minutes. There's chapter two, or if you just want to learn about like the Marasena, that's you know like at this timestamp. And he was like, you know, I found it really, really, really difficult to get engaged or to stay engaged because I had kind of like no reference of like you know like who these people were, what I was doing, yeah. and I could imagine feeling the same way if I came in. Because you like the the Destiny timeline starts like eons ago, and then you come in here, and then you come in here and you start going forward in the timeline, mm -hmm. 
and you realize what has happened before and why you're doing things. So to start eons ago in like the literal like primordial ooze of this planet when it first like starts developing, it's hard to get someone in there and realize this is how far back it goes mm -hmm. and there's a reason for everything here. And it's, you know, even talking to Chris when Chris was walking me through playing Dark Souls the first time, you know, it, we get to a place and he's like, okay, now look up there. He's like, that's the world you're in. You're going to get to go there later. And he's, and he always said to me, look at what the world's telling you, you know? And it's like the hardest thing about telling someone how amazing the lore is, is like, you kind of have to experience it and it kind of has to hook you. So the way it hooks me is not the same way it might hook you. So it's one of those things that's really difficult to kind of, you know, express to someone else, especially when you love it like that. But, um, yeah. Cause so, I, uh, I played destiny with you for that one afternoon and you're like giving me the tour and you're like, oh, this is, you know, this guy's name. And this is why he's here. And these are the things yeah. he could do for you. And I'm like, I'm trying really hard to like remember this stuff. And then we go to the next guy and everything you told me about the previous guy was just like gone instantly. Yeah. And then like we played and, and I, I could see the, the gameplay appeal of the game, but like none of the lore was like sinking in. And then when I tried to watch that video, I think I watched like somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour of it oh wow it was it was like listening to latin like i didn't understand <laughs> like I, most of the words i could understand but in the way they were arranged it just wasn't making sense to me and i was yeah. i was getting really confused very easily listening to it just because i didn't have a frame of reference for like any of it yeah and, and when you came back to me with that i thought about it i'm like yeah you know like because if if i hadn't you know gone through the taken king and done the raid and known who Oryx is. And because basically where it starts is like the birth of Oryx. And you don't know it's Oryx yet for a little bit in, but like when that revelation hits in the, in the story, I'm like, Oh my God, this is Oryx. This is where he came from. But like, you have zero frame of reference for like why that's important or, or relevant or anything. So yeah, it's, it's, and, and which makes you appreciate how difficult it is to write the story of a world and bring people in at the right point where they're engaged, but there's a history of this world that they can't know yet, but they might know later. Like, I, I can't imagine what it's like to craft uh, that world. And they talk about that. They're like, you know, like we're world builders or we're world crafters. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to be someone who's like part of a team was able to do that. It's such a unique way of telling stories like to gaming too. Like you can't tell a movie that way or a, a book that way. Like it's really, really interesting. Right. Yeah, you have to walk someone through it, especially like network TV, where like you have to appeal to like as many people as possible. Like you can't leave anybody out because they'll they'll turn it off. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I, I brought up Halo, um, and then so Kelsey, uh, uh, we're back to you, I think. I'm, I'm gonna go a little lighter and sillier with mine. Uh, another sure. fairly early one for me was the Donkey Kong Country games. Um, just having that, like you know. Is Cranky Kong, you know, Donkey Kong Jr. or is Donkey Kong Donkey Kong Jr.? And I, I remember having those like forum debates back in the day, like when I was first getting online, like trying to figure out like who's related to who, yeah. and how do, how does the timeline work? And I know like Nintendo doesn't have like strict timelines for this stuff; they they don't really overthink it out, but it was weird like having like people like pull out like Super Mario Kart as like part of this timeline to like figure out where Donkey Kong Jr. fit into it. And, Yep. these old atari and, they, and arcade games they're trying to like link into the modern stuff and and i could just yeah. imagine you on like donkeykong.geocities.com yeah <laughs> arguing that funky about. kong is the true <laughs> progenitor of the donkey kong <laughs> series 
Oh, that's great. I never, yeah. I know, you know, and that's one of those things that I don't really think about, but like, yeah, like Donkey Kong Country, like you do, you jump in and there's relationships there and there's a world there. And, you know, like well, it's, even though you're right, it is lighter. It still is, you know, like that lore behind that world. Yeah. It was mostly about the lineage that really jumped out to me about that game. Not necessarily like the, the world building, like I didn't care about Kong Island and the Kremlins mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It, it was just like, mm-hmm. how does everyone relate to everyone else? And, and is yeah. there a timeline here that, uh, and I know Zelda's got like that super messy, like, is there, isn't there a timeline and does it fracture at certain points? And uh, but, I, I remember, yeah. I remember, what was it? The, the, what's the name of that book? Is it the Dark oh, Horse the, book? The Hyrule Historia? Yes, the yeah. Historia. Because I think I heard about, like, oh, the Hyrule Historia has the timeline. And then, like, I got it. And, like, I think I looked at it for a minute. And I was like, you know, it's almost like a magician telling you what the secret is. Like, I'd rather not know. I'd but rather he, it be, like, okay. Even when they put something like that out, I'm pretty sure, like, within months of that, like, Shigeru Miyamoto's, like, there's no timeline. Rips it, <laughs> rips yeah. it apart. Yeah, it's like, whatever. If, you know, somebody just wrote that down, I, you know, it's not official or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, and, and just, re- just this morning, just redoing the story of Breath of the Wild with uh, Cameron. And it's, like, uh, King Rome... I hope I'm saying that right. King Rome kind of at the beginning telling you like, spoiler alert, like, Oh, I'm the old man. And I was the King and you were the knight, And we've, you know, you are the shrine of resurrection. Here you are. And it's hard for my brain not to think, okay, so is this, when is this, you know, like I've always kind of thought of the Zelda games as kind of like this, like timeless story of like, you know, like a young man, you know, you know, saving a princess, you know, from a calamity, you know, or from, uh, you know, like a monster or whatever. Um, I've never, I've always kind of thought of it as like different interpretations of the yeah, same story. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I took it too. I was really surprised how much people like debate there being a timeline and they're, they're very strict about it in some cases. Yeah. I'd rather there not be. I'd rather there be, you know, like this is how one person sees, you know, the, it going, or this is another person's interpretation kind of deal. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a cool one. Donkey, I did not expect Donkey Kong Country to come up. It's fun. <laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, besides Dark Souls, are there any other games <laughs> that strike uh, the 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 lore uh, tickle bone for you? Yeah, I'm gonna get into a different one. I do want to throw in real quick thing as kind of with this, and I won't spend much time on it, but <laughs> I do really like in Sekiro how. There's all this backstory that you can find because it has this mechanic where you can shimmy along walls. And there's all these story pieces where if you shimmy or like kind of hide behind a wall at the right time, you can hear all these conversations you wouldn't normally hear. It's like mm. your eavesdropping. Um, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because it's really, otherwise, it's very similar to the other FromSoft mm. games. But I really thought that was a cool mechanic. But no, I would go next with um, Dragon Age. Um, great, Dragon great Age tech. is this really well done series that has pretty deep lore i mean even in the first game you kind of learn like oh um who are you well you know there's these evil creatures that live underground and they kind of come up and and normally we can kind of keep them in check but every so often like they they have these arch demons or whatever that come up and are going to take over well who protects us well we have these gray wardens and you know so you get to become a gray warden and you get to find out like well how do you become a gray warden well you drink the blood of one of these things and a lot of them die (laughs) and if you don't die now you're a gray warden uh, but you're kind of cursed right but um now you have the ability to take on 
but like that's just the story of the first game it's still always the series that goes through but like the first story is about the gray wardens and you're one of them and there's this huge piece to it like there's the dwarven kingdom and there's the elves and how they were treated um you know because like these elves a lot of times were like um like slaves and things in these in these worlds um and then you know dragon age 2 goes in a very different direction with the story it's more of like this one like family in this one kingdom and kind of what's going on you still get some more pieces of the world at large but it's it's almost like a side story um but anyway i mean they keep going with things but bioware does a great job of that and there's some books that go along with it too but they've really done a fantastic job of crafting this tolkien-esque world that's not just like a ripoff of the hobbit or something right um right. they've they've created their own version of this thing and it and all flows and works really well yeah i was a little bit late to the dragon age party um dragon age is awesome um, I've heard conflicting things about Dragon Age 2 that it's good, but like it kind of takes place in like the same like one or two locations. And I've heard Inquisition is way better than people give it credit. Um, that or general that people generally give it credit. But uh, but yeah, I remember being really really surprised at how good uh, Dragon Age was. And a lot of times the decisions in games are like, do you want to be good or do you want to be evil? And it's like, all right, well, like, do I want to, you know, like, save the family or do I want to, like, murder their children for two generations? It's like, it's, well, they, these, who would, she, you know, so, but, but uh, Dragon Age was the first time I remember there being these shades of gray where I actually had to put the controller down and kind of pace a little bit and like, man, what am I going to do here? Like, I don't want, I don't want to let this guy in, <laughs> you know, like, this guy is no good. Yeah. But I, and there's you know, some story like, elements and, that you can choose some pretty whacked out paths and get some mm -hmm. very interesting things that happen. Like, I don't want to ruin it if anybody has played it, but there's this big mm -hmm. choice you get towards the end of the first game that if you make this other yeah. choice, I think everybody, all your other characters, is like, what kind of monster yeah. are you? Yeah. And like, even like, yeah. kind of treat it's you like, different. like the, like the, like the Bethesda, like everyone disliked this comes up. <laughs> yeah, but like from that point on, like it, like there's like relationships that break. I mean, it. Yeah. Those decisions actually mean something. In yeah, that game. and, and I, I remember having similar things in Mass Effect, where like you know, not to spoil it, but it is a pretty old game, uh, where uh, uh, the uh, was it the the Genophage yeah. um, that uh, like wiped out uh, like the Krogans, yeah. and then there was like this like you know like kind of conflict between like you and like another like and like you had to have like enough uh like influence um to be able to like stop this but like there are major consequences for uh you know for taking things one way or taking or not taking them another but uh, uh yeah so and th those are both bioware games obviously so well, and dragon uh, age I feel like... and mass effect both they have like these in, built into the game they have these huge like codex things that you can go into and you can read yes. about all, oh i want to learn more about this and then it's just going to give you all this information about like here's this race or here's the mm -hmm. the history of this place or whatever it is and you can really right. dig into a lot of lore if you want it yeah 
And that's you, you reminded me of that because I remember in Mass Effect being in the Citadel and you go talk to like that big, like weird, slow elephant looking creature and he talks really slow and he's like, okay. <laughs> and then like you go in the, the, the codex and it's like this whole like encyclopedia entry on like, oh, like this is what these things are and this is why they're really slow. The Elcor, and they, like, like, yeah. And, yeah, the Elcor. And they have like telepathic communication, but they also can talk. But like, it's so cool to be able to jump in and do that. It reminded me of like the Civipedia. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, we, it's, it's, uh, it's so cool to have that. I've actually thought a lot about Mass Effect lately. I should replay that. So not to get too far off topic, but yeah, Dragon Age is also uh, a very, very good one. Um, so uh, we've already mentioned this game a few times, so we don't have to spend too much time on it. But, uh, you know, as far as games with well-known lore, uh, Legend of Zelda, um, it's, uh, uh, you know, probably don't need to say too much more because we've already started come up a handful of times but that kind of timeless story of like you know your your young uh me i don't really just want to say like you know your warrior but like it's kind of like a young boy or like a young knight or a young man in a lot of these stories who's kind of thrust into this role um of you know we need you uh to help us and a lot of times he's like well me you know like it's it's a lot it's not anything you say oh i've trained my whole life for this it's always like okay like i'll do my best i've only got three hearts but like maybe i can get some more <laughs> so um but yeah and it's it's one of those things that kind of like everyone who plays games even if you haven't played a ton of zelda okay you know there's link and the princess and there's ganon and i'm gonna have to go you know kind of save this uh and uh like you brought up super early chris i'm glad you did with the um the uh the manual uh, the Legend of Zelda manual, uh, and the uh, also the included map uh, was a big, big help into you know kind of understanding where you were starting in that game, and uh, yeah, just uh, they've done a phenomenal job, kind of like with their interpretations over the years, and uh, I think a lot about Wind Waker and how you know they kind of like circle like really early. I'm kind of like you know like where what how does this even fit in, and then eventually they kind of like circle back around, and just the way that they can always kind of you know, trick me into like, oh, I see what they were doing, or you know, I just think about Skyward Sword, and I think about like all these different, you know, times they've kind of like brought the the story around. But again, I don't see them as being all connected. I don't need them to be connected. I prefer them to kind of be like opaquely, weirdly, uh, you know, kind of maybe tangentially related, uh, you know, kind of through like a thread here or there. So, got got to talk about Legend of Zelda. So, um. Uh, Kelsey, so you're gonna close us out with. Uh, so we started with the Baldur's Gate. We got the Donkey Kong Country. Was there one or two more that you wanted to mention before we uh, move on? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of mush two together to to make it quicker. But uh, two that really hit me right around the same time was the first couple Diablo games and the Ooh. first few Resident Evil games, kind of for the same reasons. Like they both had the wicked like atmosphere to them, and they told you a, a very coherent story. But beyond that story, they both had the lore like sprinkled in uh, on top of that to like go deeper if you want. You want to find out like how did the butcher become the butcher? Like you can talk to <laughs> Deckard and he'll he'll give you a little tidbit. You talk to the the uh, blacksmith, he'll give you a little tidbit, and you kind of kind of piece together what everybody's saying to figure out what happened to this person. Same thing with Resident Evil. Like you're picking up these little uh, notes that are like found throughout the game uh, little memos uh, little uh, love letters and stuff and they and they kind of make people that you hear about but haven't met or people that you have met like a lot more fleshed out and the world just feels a lot more lived in uh because like resident evil like you run into very few 
human beings to talk to in those games. Like there's usually like five or less and the rest are all your zombies and monsters and stuff. So it's neat to have personality when there's not a person there to like just blatantly have that personality. And I felt that from both of those games, like really strongly kind of made them feel bigger than they actually were when you look at them. That, which was neat back then because they didn't have the ability to have a, a world like Mass Effect or Dragon Age. Like they had to figure out other ways to to make the world interesting and the characters interesting. Very cool. No, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Diablo, uh, especially because we we got together with uh, uh, with Bickman uh, probably a few months ago by this point and uh, uh, had some Diablo some Diablo times, which it's crazy to just be able to jump on Battle.net and just <laughs> play Diablo in 2020 and it works. Yeah. We had to like update it. And, like, fairly painless. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, uh, I, it, it's definitely been a long time and you guys definitely played more Diablo than me back in the day. So it was more a thing my brother played and I would kind of like jump in with him here and there. But I remember jumping back in and just like, I mentioned this a few times while playing it, just the creepiness of the atmosphere and especially the music. I remember saying, like, no game sounds like this. Yeah, like, that, that town theme, like yeah. in the first one especially, is so creepy and just yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah, nothing feels like it's going in a good direction. Like, <laughs> even though, like, you're, okay, like, I'm getting more powerful and we're killing stuff, like, it, it doesn't feel like there's any good news on the horizon when yeah. you're in that town. But, yeah, that's that, those, that's a great pair. Uh, so, yeah, uh, same thing, Chris. Was there a couple more you wanted to round it out with, uh, games that you think uh, are well-known for their lore? Yeah, I would uh, have to go with Elder Scrolls games um you know there's so much lore to those games that in fact there are like literal books in the game that you can read (laughs) that tell you stories and backstories and history and i mean you can and they're not just like a book or two i mean there's like tons of them that you can read literally in the game oh off a bookshelf and just plop I remember my father-in-law telling me that, like, it's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm playing, you know, like, uh, Fallout. I'm reading this book. Like, you're, like, you're reading a book about Fallout? It's like, no, I'm reading a book in Fallout. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, and, you know, so obviously you get a lot through your character interactions and talking to the individuals and going through the story itself. But if you want to know about the world, I mean, it's like, it's there. And you, if you want to sit down and dig into all of it, and obviously the games are all related and you kind of build on this as you go through the the series but it just amazes me that they just decide like nah we're just literally gonna write books and just stick them in there so if you want to build your own little library in your house and know all the stuff you can totally do that and did i do that yeah like when i'd find a new book (laughs) in like skyrim oh yeah i'm taking that and then i'm gonna go back to my house and it's gonna go on the shelf and i'm gonna have a library of all the books were you were you a book reader in your uh, in your Elder Scrolls? Yeah, and even though like whatever's really? the one like the oh man, like there's that there's like this body tale right like about like this uh, handmaid or whatever I can't remember the name of it now, but there's like a, mm. even kind of silly goofy books in there. So yep. yeah, it's just kind of fun, you know, because again, like in those games, you could do whatever you want, and especially like in Skyrim, mm-hmm. you could they had, like build a house and you have a house and you could make it so you know you would build like your own place and so yeah i would 
I would do. I would like set up, oh, here's my little, you know, lab station over here. And yeah, here's my bookshelf. And I'm every time mm. I come across some new books, I'm going to stick them over here. Yep. So if I want to go read them, they're over there. So yeah. Yep. A lot of fun. And that was the, uh, the heart, the hearthstone update, right? Yeah, there was an update to, uh, you know, where you could build, build your, build your house and get your display cases and your expansions. And I remember getting it and I'm like, Oh, guys, just build stuff. Right. And they're like, well, you got to go find nails and <laughs> <laughs> hinges and stuff. So it's, yeah, it was pretty in depth, but man, talk about content. Oh man. No yeah. wonder they keep reissuing Skyrim. Cause there's just so much. Content. Right. Right. I, I remember just like like trying to play it in a way where I was just scouring every location, like you know, get everything from this area. I would go into like a dungeon and I would get everything, get everything in there, and then I'd leave. And sometimes you would get like that little like check mark that or it says cleared, right? You would yeah. go into a thing and it says cleared, and then I would leave and I go back and it didn't say that. And I'm like, well, what am I missing in here? Like I was trying to like you know like clear out the whole map, and oh, I, I I was driving myself crazy with that. It was like, yeah, I I, I just have to play it. I just have to have fun. Right. So like I would as long as I was having fun while I was playing. But yeah, man, it's it's crazy how you can dump a couple hundred hours in that game and just kind of go down the rabbit holes you want to go down and then realize I haven't been in this like quadrant of the map, (laughs) you know, like ever. And they even incentivize you in that game a little bit to open the books because there's those one special books that you can open up that gives you a skill point when you open it. So it's kind of like, hey, you should check all the books. You'll you'll see like oh like you know like and it won't always have an easy name like oh like intro to lockpick right but but it'll be like you know like uh, Gary in the curious <laughs> case of the you know like uh, uh, the the lock that just would not open or <laughs> yeah. something and then like you'll you'll open it and it's like rum plus one lock you're like yes got it so yeah <laughs> they they do kind of push you to to doing those things but but yeah man Eld- Elder Scrolls for sure. That's definitely a good one. So uh, uh, I guess I'm going to finish it up with one that uh, uh, I'll kind of pull out, uh, you know, kind of a, out of the side of the hat. It's one that um, I, I give a lot of credit to for linking these games together that I didn't think were had anything to do with each other. I thought they were completely separate. And then the revelation that happens at the end of this game, you realize, oh, my God, these are the same thing. Uh, is the Bioshock series. Um, so with uh, your first game, Bioshock, and Bioshock 2, even though made by another team, is still in the same universe, and then Bioshock Infinite comes out. So Bioshock has this incredibly rich and compelling story. Of kind of, It's almost like a um, like an al- alternate history, right? A revisionist history where, okay, what if it went this way? And then, you know, so Andrew Ryan, who obviously is, you know, well, maybe not. Obviously, he kind of uh, Andrew Ryan, Ayn Rand. Like, there's there's some there's some definite kind of uh, philosophy uh, similarities and some some you know kind of pushing your brain in that direction. Where he's like, okay, uh, we're we're just gonna go and like make our own city. It's gonna be under the, under the ocean, and uh, that happens. And you kind of come in like after the downfall of it like it's already kind of gone to hell and you gotta you know go in and figure it out and there's this really cool kind of story within there and then you kind of like it's gonna be fairly spoiler free but if you haven't played it just you know don't listen and um recover your ears but uh you kind of find out you know certain people like chris was saying before with with dark souls like maybe this guy shouldn't be trusted maybe he's got an ulterior you know like thing to do and then so 
and there's choices within there where you can save the little sisters or you know kind of harvest little sisters which makes a little bit of a difference in the ending but it's not like huge you know kind of canon or story wise then bioshock 2 comes out which is kind of a little bit more of the same but then bioshock infinite comes out and this is the team that did the original bioshock this is a rational this is ken levine and they never really say anything. People are like, oh, is this, you know, the same series? And they're like, oh, well, it's, you know, kind of like same concept, right? So it's this guy, Father Comstock, who has put this, uh, you know, city into the sky, uh, which uh, I don't know when people started um, the, the Skyoshock pun. Um, but uh, I've, I've never heard... heard that before, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, It's because it wasn't like... I remember um, not hearing that like super early on, but then like after people, it would have been around for a while. People were like, oh yeah, Sky O'Shocks. It's Bioshock up in the sky. So, um, but it's Father Comstock and he does kind of the same thing, only he's more of like a religious figure than Andrew Ryan was. Andrew Ryan was more of like a business figure and, and uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of went that direction. So now it's this, you know, we're going to have this utopia up in the sky. And it was different because instead of coming in, like after it had gone to hell, you kind of come in, right before it goes to hell so like everything is still going good it's cool and you get to kind of see the downfall and then experience it and then there's there's a, a young woman there who you rescue and now it's like a kind of a, a buddy cop drama happening but then there's also this like political struggle with like you know racial tensions and stuff like that and it's this huge like when you look at it it's like okay it's like a shooter and you go up to this utopia in the sky and you gotta you know like kill the bad guy but there's so many layers and so many pieces. And then when you add in the Lutesses, uh, the twins, who are a whole nother like story to the to themselves where they're doing these experiments and there's things about like rips through time. And then there's it. This is supposed to be like in the past, but there's like, you know, girls just want to have fun is like playing on the radio and like people know who like the Beatles are. And it's like this really weird, you know, kind of half world. And then what they do in like the the biggest coolest like a uh, shock ending that I've ever seen that I'll try not to spoil too much they at, at at the end of this story that really culminates in a really super awesome way they link it back to the first game where you're like not only is this like related to BioShock like this is completely the same story like it, they're one and the same and I remember just being done with that game and just having goosebumps all over and sitting down and I went to my wife and I was like, I need to tell you everything that just happened in my <laughs> life right now. And it's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, uh, you know, Irrational kind of ended up breaking up and people kind of went in different places. But I'm telling you, for as long as I will be gaming, I, I, I will be telling people how amazing the experience is of playing through and digging deeper into the story of Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite and there's there's not as much in the form of like readings but you've got the audio diaries obviously you've got like people's like offices that you can kind of go into you've got the audio conversations of lutesses uh all these different characters that you kind of meet and you can kind of piece these things together and a lot of it is when you find out the revelation at the end of the game you kind of go back and you realize like oh yeah like that makes sense because of this and because of this that i saw here and this that i saw here and it's just unbelievable and uh uh sometimes i i wonder if people who've you know that sometimes they come out with these like you know remasters and redos and you know we've, we've done this and uh you know like come play it again and sometimes i forget you know like 
those games were a long time ago, right? Like there, there are gamers kind of come up who've, you know, probably never played or some of them never even heard of a Bioshock. And it's so, so worth your time if you're like a story hound or a lore hound. So, so worth it. So I'm going with Bioshock to, uh, to kind of finish it out there. You guys uh, uh, agree, disagree? Were you equally shocked by Bioshock? Well, or? I think, you know, people can actually go back and listen to our spoiler cast episode that we did uh, years ago. Uh, and get our yeah, and Colin. That's right, Colin. We, we had Colin on that show, I think, uh, uh, buddy up from uh, Buffalo. Yeah, I think we made Krabby play it, and he did it. Right. I've played all three of them, and then I replayed the first one when the playcast did it. I they didn't hit me like they're hitting Bill, but I've, I'm really mm. I like hearing Bill talk about it because he's like yeah. pulling out <laughs> stuff that just I had a hard time with the lore in those games because of the gameplay getting in the way for me i was always like trying to listen to audio log but like someone's shooting at me so i'm not picking up things (laughs) i'm lost all the time so i'm i'm like just i got really frustrated with them because i wasn't getting any of the story in and i knew that people really like the story of these games Mm -hmm. and so i didn't pick up half of what i was supposed to and so those those kind of revelations didn't mean much to me because i missed all the things that pointed to them like leading up to them kind of thing Mm -hmm. And I think that a big part of that is just I'm not super familiar with first-person shooters. If I'm more comfortable with those, I think I would have had a, a better time. And just that way of storytelling was pretty new to me at the time, too. I'm used to, like, play this part, put the controller down, watch my three-minute cutscene that I earned, and then, you know, pick the <laughs> controller back up. So it that's when I was learning that there was different ways to, like, tell stories in games, and, and I wasn't quite used to it yet. When you talk about, uh, you know, trying to listen to an audio log and not being able to because you're getting shot at, that is uh, Borderlands for me. And not that it has like a super deep story, but there's a lot of audio going on and not always in the form of something that you can pick up and press play to listen to. You might like enter an area like an arena and someone kind of comes in on your comms and it's like, you know, the boss of the area. He's like, oh, OK, we're going to do this. And like, you know, you hear like a back and forth conversation between him and another guy. But as this is happening, since you've stepped into an arena, there's like things exploding and like, you know, guns going off and like I, I can't hear what they're saying. And it's not yeah. repeatable because it's just like a live you know thing that's happening. So, yeah, I've definitely had that, yeah. had that like, frustration. I, I think I mentioned it. I can't remember if it was on this one or the playcast, but like that Andrew Ryan moment at the end of the first game, the would you kindly like revelation. Yeah, I was like. I guess he said that. Like, I don't remember that being part of this <laughs> <Wow>. game. <laughs> like, I, yeah, just, yeah. I, I remember, and, and maybe it was because I played the demo. I played the beginning of Bioshock maybe like 10, 15 times, like when I just had the demo. And I remember, you know, I remember uh, distinctly, like, would you kindly pick up the wrench? Would you kindly, you know, like, and they kind of give you like a little bit of a flashback, like when it happens, just to kind of like, you know, yeah, bring your memory I, back I needed to that. Like, I know yeah. how people complain when like movies like explain the like twist to people like it's like in that game in that moment i i was the person who needed that that they put that in for right yeah (laughs) good stuff so yeah so that's uh uh, that kind of gets us through like uh uh you know we we brought some games that have some some lore that people know about um i thought it'd be cool to bring up one or two games that have uh lore that people may not know how cool it is how how deep the rabbit hole goes um uh, so with this one, we'll uh, how about we start with Chris this time? What do people not know just how good that lore is? Oh, jeez. You know, I had kind of a hard time thinking of this one. You know, I, I guess 
it's probably not as much, but I think in conjunction with the game getting ready to get re-released, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised if they sink the time into Demon Souls at how deep the lore okay. really is in that one. And you're going to say, well, it's a FromSoft game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think not a lot of people play Demon Souls, and it's a, also was probably really easy to miss a lot of stuff in that one. So with this update, I'm going to, going to be curious to see if they modify that to try to make it a little more blatant or if they just leave it like into that under the surface there if you want to. But I think, you know, if you're going to be playing Demon Souls coming up, spend the time, do the look, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It doesn't stand out, but it's there. And it is very interesting to kind of figure out why the things are the way they are and why you're, why you're there. Um, the other thing that I would probably mention is kind of, I mean, it's almost, I wouldn't say it's lore per se, but <clears throat> like if you play through the No, no More Heroes games, like the, the story <laughs> that bleeds through all of those things, I think right. does a pretty good job of, of kind of catching you at times. And you know, I don't know if I would call it lore. It's not really that deep. Right. But the, the character mm. and the characters, like even some of them make return appearances in the games and things so I mean, it's just fun and so you get to know the characters and it's pretty wacky in a lot of places but yeah. it's suda yeah very cool all right kelsey what do people just not know how good that lore is i think people underestimate how good the lore is in twisted metal twisted metal Ooh. yeah the the early batch of them is just wackier than it seems at first because they, they seem like serious like in your face like extreme like just kill everybody but they're really silly like when you get to the endings of a lot of these characters uh calypso is supposed to grant them a wish and whatever their wish is it, um he's he's got to give them for for winning this tournament but it's it's like the monkey paw thing like everyone's wish kind of comes true but they're like twisted versions of them and they're often there's a couple that are like deadly serious but but most of them are like done in a silly way like warthog wants you know eternal youth so he literally makes him into a baby uh specter is this like he's like the johnny cage of the game like he wants everyone to see his face and and he thinks that means be famous so he literally stretches his face over the entire planet so his like face is the sky uh like there's a lot of really stupid ones but they're they're charming and they're silly and they're fun and then when they like did the reboot on the ps2 and they go to some metal black um they they're like let's scrap all the uh the goofy campy stuff out of here and let's make it like super serious. And then the, the game I, I have a hard time with cause it's, it's not mechanically as good as the other ones, I think, but the lore is really neat where it's, it's really dark and you're like trying to figure out like who locked doll faces like face up and why is she like that? And everyone starts in this like insane asylum. And so you're kind of figuring out why everyone is there and which ones deserve to be there and which ones maybe are in there, not through, you know, legal means and, and stuff. And Ken Calypso, because he's not as supernatural in this version, it's like, is he able to grant these wishes that these people want? Like, he finds ways to fulfill them that aren't twisted in a supernatural sense. They're just like, yeah, I kind of gave you what you want in a realistic sense, but did you really want what you asked for kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought those games are, are really cool across the board, and I, and I think they don't really get uh, any attention for their lore. They get attention for other reasons. 
It's a really good one. I remember you talking about that on uh, uh, when you were talking about. I think you were saying on another show that you you went back and played with a friend, and you couldn't believe how well they held up. My son hates them. I played it with my son. Yeah, I was oh, okay. like, I'm still loving this. It's so good. And he's like, I can't tell what anything on the screen is. This looks terrible. <laughs> oh, good deal. Yeah. I, so I'll be honest. I uh, Twisted Metal might be the first thing I ever played on a PlayStation, but I didn't play a ton of it. Like I was at my cousin's house and he had like a, I, I had known his house for having like a Sega CD and Sewer Shark and FIFA 94 for the Sega CD. And he had got this PlayStation and we booted it up and I played Twisted Metal a little bit. I was like, oh, this is cool, you know, but like I played it just a little bit. And I remember it was the first thing I played in the PlayStation. And I had some friends um, who ended up getting into it, like uh, kind of around like, you know, like middle school, maybe high school and uh, and, and played a bit, uh, but never owned it. Uh, I never played it myself. So I never kind of had that itch the, that a lot of or sorry, the like the nostalgia that a lot of people have for it. But it was that like quintessential like playstation uh franchise for me like the, the first one i remember and i've actually heard people say that like uh the story goes deeper than you would think because you would just think they would like slap a coat of paint on a character and like that's yeah. the character no, and like, just figure out what like, they are two i think is the most popular one and like the mid boston two minion is like the winner from the previous tournament and so they like start linking the games together too so there is even though everyone has their own separate ending there's a canon ending that like runs mm. through the games kind of thing very cool. So um, uh, I think we all, uh, just like we knew that, you know, uh, Kel, uh, Chris was going to come in with uh, uh, the FromSoft uh, world. I think everyone knows where I'm going with this. Um, even though I do think that uh, by this point, uh, you know, there's enough talk about uh, the world of Destiny and the lore of Destiny that people know how, how deep it goes. It, it, it's, it never ceases to amaze me when they'll like take it like a step further. And then like us, like within the destiny community, we'll get to kind of like go down, you know, these kind of like story, uh, you know, kind of paths and kind of, uh, you know, get to see some backstory, like somebody will get resurrected or we'll get to go down a new timeline, which is a fairly recent thing. Um, or they'll kind of like close up a story loop for the first, you know, like we've had storylines going forever. And the, the running joke was like, you know, like all destiny ever does is like create new story uh, lines but like they never close any so we've had a handful closed um you know uh, to kind of like tie up some loose ends but i'm telling you like i sometimes i just look at the visual uh timeline of uh, of destiny just to get like a basic you know representation of like where we are where we came from it is just massive and any any single like line on one of those things could be like 30 40 50 minutes of kind of like studying up on like the different uh things that kind of that kind of point to the different areas and uh i i've only taken a handful of people kind of through like those like intro story beats of uh, of destiny and i always say the same thing i'm like okay i'm not gonna like overload someone with like way too much stuff because it doesn't matter you know like they're just trying to like you know shoot some guys and like you know we can worry about it later but it's hard not to get caught up in that world. Like when I'm introducing someone to Zavala or Drifter or, you know, like any one of these characters that like really like is really important to the story and goes back really far. Um, but uh, I think about it, if someone was introducing that uh, to me, you know, it's just, it all comes in as kind of garbled mess and like you know you just want to kind of play the game so it really is i think best enjoyed in like small doses and you can kind of go down those uh those story beats and those uh, those rabbit holes if you want to but 
uh, it's it's really really hard to describe just how deep that lore goes without just being kind of immersed in that world and then seeing uh, where they take it and and it's varied it's not just like you know here's an alien planet here's a bad guy and here's the backstory like it's dimensional and it's existential and there's religious uh, uh, overtones and there's uh, technological and there's social and it's it's amazing how you know all these things kind of like wrap up together so um, yeah it's uh, you know it's something that I that I talk about a lot. Um, I'm passionate about it. The story is 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 unbelievable. The lore is even better. Uh, but yeah, the 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 world of Destiny um, is is an incredibly uh, deep uh, and varied uh, uh, source of lore that uh, it's hard for me to imagine uh, you know anything else matching for me in terms of you know kind of what it does like imagination wise and just kind of like seeing you know where they're going to be taking it. So. We knew I was going there, and I went there, so probably not a big surprise. <laughs> so. Thanks for keeping it under four hours for me. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, so I, I expect you to watch the rest of it and get back to me with uh, your book report. Um, so uh, uh, before we wrap up, I thought it'd be cool to kind of uh, go over one or two games that uh, people think that you're a great big nerd if you're really into the lore. Um, and I'm going to go first, uh, and I'm going to call out some of our uh, MMO fans out there, even though I'm kind of into a shooter MMO, and that's World of Warcraft. Uh, whenever I would be at a party or just, like, hanging out with people, I never played the game, but, you know, you would kind of find, like, two people would kind of, like, mention kind of the thing from that world, and they would kind of be like, look at each other, like, do you? Do you? Do you? <laughs> yeah, do you? And then they would talk about, you know, oh, what about the time of the Mathazar did this? And they went to find the, the enchanted sunglasses of Hut. And, like, you know, just they go down this, like, kind of like a path that, like, you know, we probably all sound like when we talk about stuff that we like. But uh, I just remember, uh, you know, kind of those stories coming out. And it's like, all right, nerd alert over here. We got a couple of WoW <laughs> fans. But, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, and, I think Rich uh, has sworn off MMOs because he feels he put too much time and uh, money into uh, World of Warcraft. And I think our buddy Will yeah, he, yeah, is a WoW yeah. guy. I think him and Pam both yeah. played. But, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. My, right, so my buddy who bought issue. my store is one of the guys who has those, those trophies for the 10-year uninterrupted subscriptions. Oh, wow. And he, he met his wife on there, and he's from Australia, and she's from Canada here with me. And he oh, moved wow. here to marry her based on their relationship wow. in that game, and they've been together for a decade now. And it's yeah, amazing. It's big into it's, it's, Warcraft. It's funny the little side stories for Warcraft, but like you know the the South Park episode, the World of Warcraft episode that a lot of people cite as like one of the best ones. Uh, Trey was like having like a breakdown like before they were gonna send it to to Comedy Central. He was like, I think this is like one of the worst things we've ever done. He was like super nervous about it. He thought it was stupid, and it ends up being like one of the best episodes like uh, ever. But uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting that uh, uh, that you mentioned like people like meeting in video games. I've heard more than a few stories of people like meeting through WoW and then like getting married. I've I've like a friend of uh, two of my friends who who play WoW. They were in the clan together. I met them at PAX a couple of years ago. I was like, how'd you guys meet? Like, in the WoW clan. <laughs> now we're married. <laughs> so it's crazy. It's where, it's where love forms in World of Warcraft. So, yep. So that's, that's all started out with the WoW. So uh, what do you think, Chris? Any, the, who, who, where Man, are the I just at? admitted a minute ago to reading books in a video game. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm, they live I'm, your not, house. I'm not throwing any stones. <laughs> I live in the glass house. So that's, that's all I got to say. 
All right, so Chris's answer is uh, Elder Scrolls nerds uh, are the uh, are the nerds who love the lore. And Kelsey, what do you who do you, who are the big nerds? So I've got a friend who like basically only just plays JRPGs. Um, so he's a guy that I meet up with to play like Shimigami games lately. Um, and I'll go over there, and sometimes he just wants to tell me all about Tales of or uh, Dragon Age or, or sorry Dragon Warrior. I meant. Um, Grandia, Suicoden, like he'll just go off on lore and it's interesting to talk to him about it because I don't know a lot of these games and he's super passionate and he like remembers everything. It's crazy. But the one that like really makes me feel like he's a big nerd and I have a, such a hard time listening to him is when he gets going on Kingdom Hearts. I just don't understand <laughs> what is happening. <laughs> and I'll tell you, as a fan of that series, I have the similar to the way that I never try to figure out how the Zeldas link together. I have given up on trying to figure out like the the depth of the story. Like, I, like I can follow the. I feel know, like, like the, he the main at piece. least he thinks he knows. Like he's got wow. a grasp on it. Yeah, he's very confident in how he talks about it. So I can't prove him wrong. No, there's there's not enough evidence. But yeah, it is. I, I, I should have brought that one up in in another segment. Like just the most unnecessarily confusing <laughs> uh, lore by far. Uh, Chris had a Chris had a great joke uh, in our little kind of offline uh, chat. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, Kelsey said, "Like I expect you to like bring up, uh, you know, give me the entire Kingdom Hearts uh, timeline." And Chris said, "Well, that'll take you know 358 over two days to uh, <laughs> to explain or to go through." But yeah, that that is a mess, and it it's a shame because Kingdom Hearts two, like the main story beat, like that's where kind of it got complicated. But it still made sense. And then between two and three is when they went the in decade nine different. Two yeah, Do you exactly. mean between one point five, two point eight, and no, no, they came later. It's <laughs> <laughs> so when they wanted. They said we need to sell more games. How do we sell these in collections? Well, we have the most confusing lore in the world. Why don't we have the most confusing collections in the world to match them? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's insane how how. Uh, what's the word well i don't want to say any bad words towards it but yeah it's <laughs> honestly through through two i i could follow and i could explain even though it was complicated and then when you got to the five like spin-offs in between two and three it's almost like they had to justify their existence and they're like well how do we do that well we got to make this weird kind of story thing and then they actually tried to connect them all together eventually but um i'll, I'll be honest with you i would love to have a person who knows the lore that deeply not to explain it all to me but a lot of times i just want like that one detail that i feel like i'm missing right like you're like i know this guy and i know this guy and i know this guy but why is this person in the same you know the same age as this one i, I gotta to like you. put you in touch with my buddy because it is crazy how good his memory is because i'll mm. i'll be like yeah, I was playing AD&D Pool of Radiance the other day. Like, if you played that one? He's like, yeah, I played that in 89. He's like, Tyrant Thraxxus <laughs> is, like, such a cool villain. And he's like, do you remember this counselor? And I'm like, how do you remember that from, like, 35 years ago? And, like, yeah. it's just nuts. I, I, I know some people, and I've never been one of those people who, like, remembers years. Like, I kind of, I, like, I know the year I graduated. I know the year I got married. And, like, I kind of try to base stuff off that. But, yeah, I've known people who are like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, like, the summer of... And then they know like, oh, that was March of like '92. How? How do you know that that was March night? And then, like you said, like the 
the the detail and the memory is is really unreal on some people but yeah, yeah i it's would cool love to i know he's played almost every jrpg on the nes so i'm like talking to him about destiny of an emperor which is fresh and new for me and he still remembers like these japanese names that he played on a game <sighs> like 30 years ago it's just crazy to me Lu Bei is in everything that's awesome. so that's probably pretty easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, and then uh, I thought this would be a fun one to uh, to close out on um, for for us in the you know in our own nerdiness. So, what kind of physical lore items do you own from games that you love? Um, so, you know, could be books, could be you know like artifacts. You know, like some some game characters have jewelry that they wear, and you know that can sometimes be available. So, anything that you feel like is a lore, you know, kind of physical thing that you own from a game that you love the lore of. So Kelsey, you own any cool nerdy lore stuff? Yeah, that M Buster you got me. It's yeah, <laughs> coolest lore item for Mega Man possible. Um, now I, I recently read Pool of Radiance, which I just brought up a second ago, um, the book, mm. because I thought the story in the game was so interesting that I wanted to see um, what it would be like in a different format. Uh, so that was definitely one that I grabbed. Um, and then as a kid, like anything Mario, like mario comic books the mario choose your own adventure books like because they added to that universe for me i like ate up any of those i had dozens of them growing up same with sonic the hedgehog i used to buy those comics constantly i still have some my son's been really into like the sonic the hedgehog and Mega Man comics so we've been picking up some of those once in a while and and basically just books um i've been trying to cut down on the other kinds of knickknacks but i i still like to read a lot so those i i could see myself picking up like i know they're doing a cyberpunk uh, comic book uh, like tie-in coming out pretty soon and i think i might uh, start checking those out um just to expand that world which i'm sure will have a ton of lore in it already but uh, it'd be cool to experience it in a different way very cool so pool of radiance yeah very cool are there um are there other so when you mentioned like tie-ins like i remember like it's it's almost like I feel similar to I do about like pre-order bonuses for those. I kind of like, I, I, I hope that they're not like tacked on, right? Like they're like, Hey, we need a tie in somebody make it real quick. Right. So a lot of times on those, I'll kind of find out from someone like, Hey, is this good? You know, like how do, how do people feel about this before kind of plunging? Like I remember for blade runner 2049, they were like, Oh, there's going to be like a tie in graphic novel little thing. I'm like, Oh cool. I'm all in. And then I like waited to see how it was. And I, I talked to a few people and they're like, yeah, like you, you don't need to read that. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with anything. So, but yeah, it's uh that's, that's interesting. That's that, probably uh, the smart way to do it. And maybe I can be that guy for you and be like, I just spent like 50 <laughs> bucks on cyberpunk comics. Don't get them. <laughs> yeah. You should do it too. It's definitely worth it. <laughs> so uh, Chris, what do you have uh, adorning your home with the uh, Lord? I'm kind of similar to Kelsey. I buy books. So I've got, yep quite a you know i mean like the dark souls trilogy compendium that like we're talking about lore stuff that has like every description of everything and all of that stuff put together so you can you know go back and research it or something if you want to um and like the art books that went with the games but um also and i've mentioned these before too is the um the final fantasy ultimania archive books yes so 
I thought those might come up on the show because and it's we, and we didn't talk about art books a whole lot, but art's definitely you know when you consider the lore of a universe, um, you know, kind of like you know cave drawings or just like you know depictions or renditions of different characters or, or worlds or something. But yeah, I thought the Ultimania books might come up because they definitely kind of fall under that category of like. You know, it's not really, a, it's, you know, not really just exclusively a strategy guide. Like it talks about the world and you get some of the artwork and stuff. So yeah, for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. They do a great job of flushing everything out and giving you all the information that's available and they're really well done and not very expensive. So, you know, if you're looking for stuff, they're great yeah. to get. Yeah. I remember when you kind of, you know, revealed to me that that's what the, I've heard of those books and like, I guess I never really looked into them, but then when I saw what they were, I was like, Pfft. Amazon wish list yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of and, uh, uh, a lot of Street Fighter Dark Horse stuff too. They put out stuff pretty regularly. So yes, um, yeah. When we talk about lore, yeah, that series has a huge backstory to everything that's going on, and so you can really mm. jump down the rabbit hole if you want to. Um, yep. That's for sure. Yeah, and Dark Horse that was also the uh, Hyrule Historia is Dark Horse and the well, Ultimania so they... is Dark Horse. Yeah, uh, so... yeah, Dark Horse <coughs> does a lot of that stuff. Yes, yeah, it, it seems to be like right in their wheelhouse. Um, so uh, I'm gonna keep the trend going. I am definitely not a tchotchke guy. I'm not a you know like hey you know get this and or and not even pre-order stuff. Just like you know, I, I feel like there's just so much stuff. Like, I don't want, like, more, like, little stuff hanging around. Like, a cool physical edition is nice. A cool, you know, statue. Like, I've still got my little pewter statue of the Cheshire Cat from American wow. McGee's Alice from years ago. I love I just that. thought I of one more I want to bring up when you're done. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, like, I still have my, my pewter Cheshire Cat from American McGee's Alice, which I got at Babbage's ages ago. But, yeah, for the most part, like, little, you know, kind of like uh, little physical things I'm not really into. Um, but books, um, I love, love having a nice, uh, you know, uh, nice set of books on the shelf, especially if it's like a nice, you know, handsomely bound, like actually, you know, like feels good in the hands, feels good to open, has just kind of puts you in the mood to get in that world. Um, so uh, uh, Destiny uh, has these books called uh, the Grimoire Anthology. In the first game, there was a, an area in the menus, or sorry, in the smartphone app called the Grimoire, which was kind of like the collection of all the lore items. And that doesn't exist in uh, Destiny 2 or further, but they still call these book collections the Grimoire Anthology. So the first one is kind of the story of Oryx and the, uh, and the, the books of uh, uh, Sorrow, which is like these like kind of semi-religious texts that are kind of uh, pieced together from the Hive uh, uh, Apocrypha over the years. Then the next one was for the Fallen uh, Kingdoms, which is the, the Elixni race. And then the new one that's coming out this November, um, I don't think the—I uh, think it's I think it's the Vex. I think it's like Fallen Machines or something like that. So it's the blue cover one. I love these books where I can have like, you know, like a favorite, like, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, like a subset of the story that I can kind of go back to and kind of like read through like these little pieces of, uh, of lore. Um and uh and yeah that's it's so for me if it's like like a lore book or like you know a graphic novel you know if it's if i hear it's good like that's the kind of stuff that i want to kind of keep me in that world it's not usually like like a stat like as big of a skyrim fan as i am i have zero desire to own like the alduin statue it just you know doesn't do anything to like put me in that world or keep me in it and it's funny for like you know a, you know for 
for making fun of people for reading nerdy books in the game. Like that's just what we want to do. We want to read the nerdy books uh, out of the game too. So I think it makes sense <laughs> that we all kind of lean towards that uh, the nerd book path. So that's that's kind of it for me as well. So uh, uh, Kelsey you said you wanted to mention one more thing. Yeah, just when you were bringing up like tchotchkes and stuff, I was thinking of like there's there's one that I I don't see myself giving away, and and that's the Lunar Two Special Edition that came out for PlayStation when they remade it. Um, it's got like the medallion that uh, Lucy wore. Uh, it's got a map of the uh, overworld, and then like little cardboard like cutouts of all the characters that you can put on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, like those. But it was the first special edition I think I ever bought that came with like extra stuff my whole life. And I always had it out and displayed. I still have all my little like cardboard men, like unpunched, um, ready to go. And, and that one's really special to me just cause that game was really formative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that extra stuff that kind of adds to the flavor. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I don't, don't look for that kind of stuff typically anymore. Yeah, I used to be, you know, if it was a game I really into, I would just like blindly get the collector edition and I just don't have any interest in doing that anymore. Like I have Mass Effect 2 collector edition, Mass Effect 3 collector edition. And it's like at first it's like, oh, it's a really cool package and it's got a metal box and it's got a patch and it's got like an extra pamphlet. And I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm fine that I used to be that way. It's just the way I am now. I just don't care about having yeah. that extra stuff. It just doesn't matter to me anymore. I've got so many looking in my room. I'm like, I, I used to think like the Catherine specialist was so funny, you know, it had the boxers in it and the pillowcase and stuff. I'm like, <laughs> but I don't need this. And, and like yeah. the, I got the big special edition, uh, persona five that i had adam like import in for me and i haven't even opened it because i had <laughs> while i was waiting for it to come i'm like i couldn't wait and i bought a copy of the game for ps3 and just played it on ps3 yep. um so, like the only one i think i've bought in the last 10 years that i thought was really cool was the octopath traveler one which has like a diorama yes. that like opens up it's really really fantastic but outside of that one that's yeah, really don't think i need any of these big things anymore i really still like cd no. soundtracks yeah. when they come with cd soundtracks it's Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 I I didn't know games were uh were doing some that. still because sometimes still get CDs. I mean, a lot of times now it's like a download code or something, but some still do CDs. Yeah. Or you got to you got to buy like the big uh special premium yeah. edition kind of thing to get them. They don't come with the standard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I I still like Very that. Cool. Yeah. I I mean be, being uh, you know, not really like a super vinyl guy, but just like kind of being into vinyl in general. Um, I, it's nice to, you know, a lot of times when you get the record, you'll just get that download code in there. But yeah, I just haven't, uh, haven't thought about the CDs in a while. Probably the last, uh, game soundtrack CD I bought was probably, you know, what was it like game cave, the, the final fantasy seven, like that import, uh, uh ad that was in like every EGM. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's like that big, like two page, uh, thing with like all the, the game soundtracks, you'd circle them and, those were fun. So yeah, so I guess that probably wraps up our uh, uh, discussion on lore. Uh, we'll get this uh, get this wrapped up. This is a, a nice little tidy uh, two and a half hours. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll we'll keep bringing you these little bite sized uh, things that you can enjoy on your commute. And uh, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. And uh, I want to thank uh, Chris and Kelsey for joining me again. As always, you guys are the best. It's a fun topic. Very interesting. Yeah. 
Cool. All right. So, Chris, where do you find the RF Generation Collector Cast when you want to put it on your podcast? We're like on everything, Machine. just about, except SoundCloud. Right. I still haven't figured out SoundCloud, but we're, uh, <laughs> yeah, the Google Music changed, so now it's like Google Podcasts or whatever. We're there. Um, I think, um, yeah, Spotify, whatever you want to do, Apple Podcasts, the Google stuff um iHeartRadio. i mean it's really itunes yeah it's pretty yeah. much everywhere so you want to find the show it's not hard you can also just go to collectorcast.com get it directly yep that's the easiest that's that's where i go when i need my podcasts uh, right on my podcast machine so uh thanks very much everyone for listening and we will see you next time <laughs>